Hello guys and girls, and welcome to episode 106 of the F Reality Podcast. This is a weekly AR, VR and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube, Facebook and on Twitch. You can also catch the show live in VR and chat with other like-minded VR enthusiasts using big screen TV. The show goes live at 7 p.m. in Europe, 6 p.m. in the UK, and 12 midday in Central US. You can also check out the audio version, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor, and also on Spotify. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback during the show, please put them in the chat. We'll try and answer as many questions as we can. Of course, now it's time for me to introduce you to the team. First up, this guy is totally addicted to bass rocking his sub-pack when he shoots his way through alien planets. It's VR streamer, ZimTalk5. How you doing, man? Um, I'm very well. Thank you, Mike. Um, I am addicted to bass. Actually, it's it's something I feel like I've been, uh, you know, standing on a little pedestal, a very small pedestal, shouting about this with my megaphone for like three years. And um, only this only this week did I kind of revise my, uh, my, my previous statements to say like, you should really consider buying one of these things quite early on. Like before you even, if you, if you bought like a PC VR setup, like consider getting like a base pack or something to help augment your experience. Cause it, the immersive add on to like 50% of your games is just mega. So yeah, I enjoyed my sub pack this week. An advocate of base. There you go from Zimtok five. Next up, he's the rock star of the group. No hotel room is safe with this guy around. He's Wreck-It Rowdy. It's the Rowdy guy. How you doing, dude? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I like that name, Wreck-It Rowdy. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of like summarizes the experience indeed. Uh, I, I have quite the past in being a rock star like in a, in a, do. In a former life. Uh, more on that maybe later. But yeah. uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Because it's true, right? You were the lead singer of a band. Multiple ones, yeah. I yeah, was. there you go. Little, uh, little bit of uh, Rowdy's past there for you. Uh, <laughs> next up, this guy loves nothing more than a game of hide and seek in VR. Catch him if you can. It's our Friesian friend. It's Nathy. How you doing, dude? You're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing great. Uh, in the chat, I see someone saying that that you got a new haircut. I I I don't know about that. I can't really. Me? Maybe I didn't pay attention. No. No? No. Didn't take oh. a couple inches off there, Mike? No? You sure? No. It's <laughs> weird. Nothing, nothing's changed for about, well, maybe over 10, 12 years now, I think. Oh. It's been the okay. same. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, well, maybe they don't know who I am. Maybe that's why. So uh, I'll let you know. I'm the host of the show, Mike from Virtual Reality Oasis. <laughs> uh, in today's show, we've got a packed show for you because uh, we've got loads of topics to talk about. Some of the highlights include a new action-packed racing game called Deathlap. Uh, also, the horrifying Five Nights at Freddy's is coming to augmented reality uh, in a game called Special Delivery. Really looking forward to talking about that. Uh, we give our thoughts on the HDC Vive Cosmos. Now we have more information, finally, uh, and we can talk about the price and the release date. Zim's going to give you the lowdown on the latest game releases to look forward to next week. And then finally, Nathie's going to tell us about his experience trying a VR roller coaster at a Dutch theme park. So awesome show lineup for you today. Uh, but first, let's start the show with how we usually start the show, and that is by finding out what everyone's been up to and their highlight of the week. And of course, Zim is first. 
Yay! <laughs> Everybody clap. No, um, I had to defend my nuts this week. I had to defend my nuts mm. from a bunch of hungry squirrels who were trying to take them. Uh, I finally got a chance to play Akron. I didn't expect it to be so... Uh, I expected it to be polished. I expected it to be one of those games that you, you would look at and go, yeah, it's good, but no one's going to play it. And um, within, like I played this with, with almost no heads up and uh, we had a full match. I think it was seven other, seven squirrels and me as the tree playing it. It was very much like what I would call like Jackbox style. So if anyone's mm-hmm. played the Jackbox party mode, you can have people, they just get a code, they have a mobile app and they jump in. And I found, like, from, from launching the game and playing with two squirrels, we went from two squirrels to, I think, seven other squirrels in the span of five to eight minutes. So people were watching this and going, oh, shit, me too. Very easy to download. It's only, like, a couple hundred megabyte downloads, so it's very easy on your phone or your tablet or whatever. Uh, works on all the platforms. And then you play this massive tree as the VR player, and there's no tutorial or whatever, which I love. I absolutely love. You just jump in. You just host a game, people get the code, they punch that in in their name, and then they're running trying to grab your nuts. And uh, you have to throw seeds and things at them. You got this big sticky ball of goo which slows them down, but they, they get it all, it's like Fortnite coming at you. Like it's a really intense experience. I did not expect it to be so intense. They're, they're literally, you know when you see kids building Fortnite towers and that, and it's like, it just like, it just like, there's like uh, ladders and whatever, um, ladders the wrong term, but like an inclined 45 degree planking structure. And like you a got ramp. This, ra- thank you. <laughs> Jesus, I did it again. <laughs> so you got these ramps coming at you from all, all directions. You're trying to knock the ramps down so they can't come at you. And they're doing this like left, right, ducking behind rocks. Really sneaky. And I haven't yet seen their view like how it is from the tablet, but you can, they, they can burrow under the ground with a certain special ability. So you just see this tunnel coming at you and you can't do anything until they pop out. Um, they've got this like uh, tiki tiki shield that they can put in front of them as they run forward. It takes three hits before you can actually get to the squirrel. And if you manage to peg a squirrel, squirrel goes down and they reset. And I think they have to wait for like 15 seconds or something before they come at you again. It's an incredibly fun dynamic. I will be playing this game a lot. It, it was an immediate must-buy. Um, I am really surprised. But like games like Keep Talking Nobody Explodes, where you can have lots of fun with people on the internet. And, and in that game, you just need to be talking. This one, there's not even, you don't even have to talk. You can just literally join the game with the code and you're having a blast. And it was amazing. It was great. Anyone else played that here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it makes VR social. Uh, that that's that's the the magic of this one um and usually you can also if you have a quest you can stream of course to a mobile phone or to a tv but it's not the same thing if people can't play with you and with this it's like everyone is a part of the adventure and that's amazing i i I really think it's an underrated game out out the gates and i think the resolution games who've done other games that i've loved like narrows on on the go this deserves to be like a hot seller at the top of the store. Mike, did you say you've played it as well? Yeah, so it was actually going to be my highlight of the week as well. Oh, um, right. Yeah, um, but you're, you're totally right. Um, you know, it's it's asymmetrical. So a bit like Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, one person's in VR, all the other players are on mobile. Uh, I'm intrigued. Did you play it locally multiplayer or did you play it online multiplayer? Uh, must have been online because people were playing from 
bunch of different countries with me, you know. Mm. Right, because they really market the game as a local multiplayer game, and I'm sure sure it's sure it's probably best played that way. But you can totally play it online with other people completely around the world, and that's exactly what I did. And I don't know if you did the same thing um, with your communications, but basically, I played this with my Discord server and used Discord as the communication platform. So we all went into a private lobby together, so we could talk to each other, and then we played together. Um, so I, I don't know if you had the, that no, communication aspect. Yeah, we didn't even do that. So it, like, it was literally just me yelping and screaming as <laughs> I'm throwing nuts at people. Yeah. And then, well, I mean, it was like an onslaught. You must have done the same thing because you got a lot of viewers. So um, <laughs> it was it was really good fun. I mean, it was like I was totally unexpected. But the thing is, I think they mismarketed it. Don't market it for as a couch game. No way. Market it as, you know, you can just jump in and play with the internet. Like, yeah, but I think the reason why is because the quest doesn't have discard or anything like that. So communication-wise, you can't pull it out. But yes, if you're on PC, then you can definitely turn it into an online multiplayer. But I think the marketing in this case was all about standalone. I like I I was surprised it was on PC. I first didn't even knew it was on PC, and mm-hmm. I even went to their office. I was like, "What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> this is this is not just standalone, huh?" But it's kind of one of those games that the rounds are so fast-paced. Maybe they might take, what, two to three minutes each. Yeah, there's um, even a countdown on it, so it, yeah. it's always short. It's yeah. quick. And at the end of each round, obviously, it's established whether the squirrels or the tree win. Um, but everyone was just screaming, like, again, again, let's go again, like mm. another round, another round. And they just kept on going uh, for, a, for a good hour and 20 minutes, and um, did you find which was hilarious. This is a good game for exercise. For the, oh for yeah, the my, my arms were killing me yeah, <laughs> by the end of it. And I, I think that's that would be the only benefit of playing locally would be that, say, you know, if you lost as the tree, that you'd have to give up your yeah. role and then you'd swap that's places. A party, party system. Yeah. yeah, I think that was the only thing that really I was missing playing it online with other people. Um, but, you know, Eric Hartley joined uh, and played as one of the squirrels on mobile and, and it was just great, <laughs> like, like having a laugh and talking with them all at the same time. But yeah, I, I, t- I totally loved it. And, uh, you know, I would highly recommend it. And the great thing is, like you touched on, is that, you know, you pay for the VR app, whether it be on uh, mobile, uh, you know, with a Quest or uh, on PC. Uh, but the, 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 the mobile app is completely free that you can play on, you know, yeah. a mobile phone or a tablet, which is great. So you can get so many squirrels on board for free. And that's why we had like, I have played with seven squirrels as well, which is super intense experience. <laughs> it's, it's just so fantastic. And the thing is, this model of uh, advertising a game, the game itself will self-promote, um, is supported by things like I said, Jackbox. But really far back along, StarCraft, uh, which is a, a real-time strategy game, had an installer on a CD where you could go and spawn an install on your friend's machine. And then you could host a server online. And up to, again, seven players and you as the host could play that. So you exchange the disc at school in the schoolyard and it made StarCraft go like like bananas. Like everyone was playing mm-hmm. it for that reason because it's like off of one disc. And what it's this concept that free-to-play games do a really good job of, which is you construct a watering hole and you bring them to the trough and then it's like, oh, but I want to drink a water. It's like, well, then you're going to have to mm-hmm. pay for it if you want to drink without the host being there. I love it. Yeah. I think resolution games deserve a big applause. Two thumbs up for me anyway. And obviously Mike as well. Yeah, I think one of the great things is as well, if you played it in a local multiplayer setting, say with family or friends, it's kind of one of those games that doesn't have any movement as the tree in VR. So you could easily give it to like your grandmother or your your mum or your sister and they could play the game without 
you know, without ever trying VR before and understand how it works and not get motion sick or anything like that. So I think it's it's the perfect introduction to family and friends as well if they've never played yeah. VR before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Akron uh, available on Rift, Quest, uh, and other PC VR headsets on Steam. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Nice. Um, so I'll quickly dive into what I, I did, because uh, bearing in mind, that was my highlight, but I'll also mention <laughs> another game that I played, um, and that was uh, Touring Carts, and that was another game that I've been quite excited about. Um, now, I actually went out of my way and bought a Vive tracker to play this game, only this oh, game. <laughs> um, so I had my full racing wheel set up with my Vive tracker strapped to my hand because I wanted to replicate the feeling of playing that Mario Kart arcade mm. game, uh, which I tried in London, which was fantastic. So if you're ever near the uh, the London O2, go check it out. It's amazing. Um, but I uh, was disappointed. I, I ended up being quite disappointed about this one. Mm. And I've seen a lot of people hyping this game up um, and a lot of people asking for this to be on Quest. And quite honestly, it's one of those games that I can kind of look at having played it and said, Maybe it doesn't quite hit that quest quality barrier. Um, mm. the The game feels very hollow uh, in that it doesn't feel like you're grounded to the car, and the car doesn't have enough sound or anything like that to feel like you're in a car. Uh, the sounds, for, for some reason, of the car themselves are very muted, and you can just fly off these ramps, and it feels like you're getting a lot it's, of air it's time. Like, like, it, it, it sounds like you're you're driving, but you're floating. Very floaty feeling, yeah. Uh. And you can drift around the corners, but also that isn't particularly satisfying either. Huh. Um, and and I had problems with the, the Vive tracker. I could grab items just fine, but I couldn't release them. Um, and I just couldn't get that to work properly. And, and the dev suggested it was the way I was throwing. But I was like, dude, like if, if I'm... There's only one way. Th th there's only one way to do this, exactly. Yeah. So if it's not working, it's not working. So mm. I, I was planning to cover this one on a video, but I ended up dropping it because um, it just didn't quite meet, meet that quality bar for me. Uh, so hopefully someone yeah. else will come out with a, you know, a, a kart racer that is similar to that Mario Kart experience. Or maybe touring carts will step yeah. it up a little bit and improve what they've already got. Yeah, because you know what I noticed is that I've I've seen a lot of people playing this game as well on video too. You know, there was like this big campaign going on, like, "Hey, are you a YouTuber? Go play our game, have fun." Uh, and then I saw a lot of people struggling with even uh, controlling their cards. Like, I felt mm. like driving was also a bit on the hard side. I don't know if you experienced that, but uh, it must be like if you play Mario Kart. Okay, if if you don't know how to drift, fine, and you just go slow. Th uh, through a corner, fine. That's that's okay. But in this one, like they were constantly bumping into everything. Well, that's that's the problem. The the tracks are so short and condensed, and they are mapped off or inspired by real world tracks, which I do admire from the team to to implement that. And that's the cars cool. as well look great. But mm. like you say, the, because um, you start in a high end car anyway, it's not like you start in a really low end car. So you have to drift right from the very beginning. Whereas in Mario Kart, like you said, you took it easy on the 50cc carts. You didn't even have to drift around a corner. You could just mm -hmm. make it. Yeah. Um, whereas you have to drift straight off the gate with this game to, to progress. Oh, so, so the carts could be too fast for the tracks. I think so as well. Mm. So there's definitely a lot that they could improve with this game, but I think it was a missed opportunity there because I think VR carts, the one we played originally on the Oculus Go, oh, yeah. uh, or, or did we play it? On, no, actually we played it on the Vive. I played it on the Vive with you. I remember we played it together, <laughs> but I think that is probably the best kart racer still to this day. And that's that's a very old game now. There, very there old. Is, there is a one single player um, alternative that I've seen. So it's not cartoony, uh, but that's called Race Room. And it looks very enticing. It's like a, you know, it's a proper 
you know, adult person's like kart racer. Like this is like serious sim. Like there okay. are actual racers who race, you know, go-karts in real life. Um, and it's like that. Now, racing just AI, always for me as a race head, has never felt satisfying. It's got to be humans. I don't want to race AI ever. It just doesn't mm. do it for me. I know there's a lot of console racers out there who like – really enjoy racing AI, but I've never, it has to be but humans. Otherwise that's, that's simulation wise, right? Because mm-hmm. I like in Mario Kart, I don't mind AI, but in, in simulations, I, I understand that that must mm. feel realistic. So you don't want to drive against AI. No. So for me, even things like Wipeout, um, F-Zero, Mario Kart, I'm just not a fan of AI racing components because opponents, because they're, um, they're too predictable. They're too like, it's like you can look at it, look at each character as like an algorithm. And when everyone behaves the same and there's mm-hmm. not enough difference in the field, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel genuine. And that's why I don't like it. But um, this one is interesting, Mike, because I've been looking at it from afar, kind of going with the cocked eye, kind of like, I'm not sure. But the fact that you mentioned the sound, that's incredibly important in racing games. It's one of the things that Dirt True. Rally does really well. Um, and just to mention, I saw that either it's a free weekend for Dirt Rally or they're giving the game away free on Steam. Um, but the original Dirt Rally game nails sound when, mm-hmm. in terms of grip, feel, traction, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And also another thing I want to mention is the power-ups didn't feel as satisfying. Like I remember playing VR carts and I still remember it now, even though it was like a year and a half ago. <laughs> Nathy threw a beehive on my head and I was being attacked by bees and I could only see through this oh, tiny yeah. little hole in, in the beehive. Mm-hmm. It was hilarious. But they yeah. just didn't have any fun power-ups like that. They're all kind of very generic. So, yeah, I think it's just a missed opportunity there. Well, if you, if you are a real daredevil, you could also go for Dolphin VR and then play some uh, some Mario Dash or other uh, <laughs> race games. But that's for, like, you know, the, the diehards. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, what me and Zim played. So uh, let's chuck it over to Rowdy then, see what you've been up to, dude. Yeah, in contrast to uh, to Mike and Zim, uh, I didn't play with my own nuts. I had groupies that played with my nuts, <laughs> so uh, it was uh, it was quite all right. Yeah, no, I played Hotel R and R. Overall, I, I I went in with like very little expectations. Uh, I thought oh, this is just going to be like you know one of those like you know smash 'em up games, but I was surprised actually by the amount of uh, content that was just in the game. Uh, I only played like the first level, but I had like a ton of fun just like messing around. The voice acting and the jokes are very mature and very funny as well. Like uh, I, I really laughed a couple of times like when the cleaning lady comes by and she, she rings your doorbell and she goes like, this is this exotic dancer that you ordered. <laughs> like I, I just like cracked myself up. I was like, oh, this is so funny. Uh, also, there's like a, a lot of like... Um, uh, Satan himself he's like on the phone when you enter and and he, you you're gonna you're gonna get like a, a contract with him but before you get on the phone he's like yes yes no I know Donnie I know Donnie and I'm like Ooh, okay. It's getting a bit political here. Like, wow. it, it, it was really really well done, just very funny, N- nothing too serious. Um but just very very well done. Um the audio and voice acting was really cool. Um, and then the mini games that are in there are just plain hilarious. Mm. You had this like uh, exercise for demons. I posted a clip of that on, on my Twitter as well, where I tried it out. You look like an absolute, f- absolute fool when you try it, but it's, it's so fun to just like mess around with that kind of mm. stuff. Uh, so you can actually go to purgatory and purgatory is just like game hall where you have like different kind of games that you can try. You can buy like mm-hmm. a movie ticket or something. I don't mm-hmm. yet know, or like an entrance ticket. I, I don't really know what it is yet. I haven't tried that yet. Uh, but overall I was surprised by the, by just the, the, the general quality of the title. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I tried it like very, very briefly. And um, and like you, I thought it was just going to be a smash em up. But I think there is actually more depth to this game than we give it credit for. Like it's actually more uh, puzzle. It's almost like a puzzle game yeah. disguised as a smash em up game, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. Th- there is more yeah, to true. it. Yeah. Is there a spine? Is there like a, <clears throat> you mentioned some key characters like Satan. Um, yeah. Is there a story? Line? Yeah, well, the, the storyline, well, basically, it starts with you uh, performing uh, on a gig. So you're there, you have your guitar in your hands, but you're so bad that people are already booing you out before you actually start playing. They start, like, throwing beer bottles, this and that, and you eventually, like, you give up, you know, you smash everything down, and then you go to Satan, you make a deal with the <laughs> devil, and he says, oh, I've made deals with Paige, and I've made deals with, like, all these, like, famous rock stars. So if you want, you know, you want to be a, a famous musician, but your music sucks, but I can help you. And then you just need to sign this paper. So you <laughs> sign that paper, it's like, oh, like it says in Clausal 253B, mm. I now own your soul. <laughs> and then all you need to go and do in order to please Satan is go and perform your gigs. You don't do the gigs but you need to perform them you go to hotel rooms and you need to smash them up because the devil wants you to do it wow. which awesome. is hilarious in a That's way so to, to go so, who, so who made this game again who developed this I've, i forgot it's wolf and wait let me look it up it, did they um, make anything before i don't know if they made anything before yet uh it is from wolf and wood interactive and if i looked oh they're the developers from uh, the exorcist legion Oh. oh, it's a very different kind of game. Okay, and also yeah, okay. a chair in the room. I don't know oh, if you guys remember chair that. Oh, chair wow. in the room, devs. Jesus, that's a different. Yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 very wow. cool. Very cool. The first game that's taken you out of the Pavlov cycle. <laughs> yes. No, I still play Pavlov, but I've been having <laughs> some problems. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, nice. So, what about you, then, Nathy? What have you played this week? Uh, what do you want to? What's your highlight? So I haven't. I haven't really played that much. Uh, I. Pretty much only played uh, Half Plus Half, this new title that dropped on uh, on the Oculus Store, uh, and I, I, I it catch my eye because I got a notification on my on my phone where you know I, I see when Oculus uploads a new video on their channel, and it was this mysterious video, and I had no idea what it was really all about. I did recognize the characters in in this game because they have used them before for some kind of experiment where they were uh, figuring out how to use a keyboard in VR. Um, but that was more like a like a test phase. And now this game, this experience came out called Half Plus Half. It's a very strange and interesting name. I, st- I still wonder why it's called like that. Um, mm. So basically what this is, it's like I would compare it to Oculus Rooms where you can come into a space together and then you have a couple of let's say mini games that you can uh, enjoy together around I think six uh, at this moment I do feel like they're going to add more and and it's it's just uh, it exists uh, to bring people together through mm-hmm. socializing through connecting through being creative open etc uh, and this can be with strangers with friends uh, that's up to you uh, it is a pure multiplayer. Uh, I would say that if you are interested in something like this, then you need to keep in mind that you will not find many people playing this. And I think the longer this is out, the harder it will become. Um, so this is something you have to dedicate to by asking your friends and say, like, listen, 
does anyone want to play this with me? Because otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's going to be that fun alone. It's not it's not great, um, but it the way I'm explaining this sounds super cr- maybe, uh, scr- maybe that's where I, the name wanna... comes from. Huh? The half and half, because uh, I mean half plus half is like it's like a coffee, right? It's like half milk, half coffee. So you never go and drink a coffee by yeah. yourself. So that's you yeah. want okay. you want to grab a half and a half. <laughs> that, that could, yeah, and, wow. Plus, plus like, like, like it's almost like you need the other half to enjoy this this uh, yeah. title as well. Uh, but I, I I jumped in with with Mike and also Gamer Tag and uh, yeah we went swimming in the ocean. Uh, we tried to eat fish, catch them, things like that. Uh, hide and seek was I think the most outstanding. Uh, mini game that this uh, title had to offer. So in this in this lobby you you are you know spawning into you have a few portals and every portal is a mini game. So swimming in the ocean is one mini game and then hide and seek is another one. Uh, but in hide and seek they were playing with scale. So the person that had to find the others was extremely big like a giant and the others were super like tiny and even the voices changed too so you heard like uh, these little squeaky voices running for their lives and then you had to uh you know find each other and 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 and, um like you know put each other in jail basically that that's what that's what happened we got a comment from the chat, and I kind of agree with that as, as well. It's, it's Dave DeSyco, he's saying, it's kind of risky to put a social game not for free at this point on the store, in my opinion. Since there are already like quite a few to choose from that have been around there for a while that mm-hmm. are free. Yeah. Do you think that this one is still like, oh, of course, you know, earn its of course it's a risk, but, but you gotta like, if, if no one does it anymore, then it's never going to kick off. So I, I, I totally, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, and what I what I uh, wanted to suggest to the developers is that you know right now it's on on the on, on Rift and Quest so it's cross platform, but if they're smart and I don't know how this contract is going with you know Facebook, but uh, it would have been smarter if they had PlayStation Two all the platforms you know like that's usually uh, saves the multiplayer a little more. But right now you're yeah. already in this niche market and then you only have Rift and Quest. I don't know. I, I feel like if you are going to play this uh, in like a month or two, <laughs> you're not going to find anyone. Uh, that's just a, the, a fact. But if you can dedicate to play this with friends, I think it's awesome. It's magical. It's wonderful. Um, but so, yeah. So I, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, but I just checked out the price and it's uh, $10.99 in British pounds for the game. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a problem here because bearing in mind you can't really play this on your own, you need to play it with friends. So you each need to spend £10 each. And as much as I enjoyed it, and I really, really did enjoy it, I would never see myself playing it again. It was kind of one of those one-off experiences. I will never never forget that experience. That's how Mm. good it was. But I wouldn't be playing it again. And I think that's the problem. So they they should have either had one person buy the game for £10.99 and have free passes to Mm, give to friends or people they want to play with. Or just just price the game at like one pound or two pound as a throwaway kind of experience because that's essentially what it is, even yeah. though it is a great one. It's hard. It's hard to price these kinds uh, kinds of things because in the end, as you said, uh, you will not forget. So you kind of pay for a memory too. It's like when True. you go to a theme park, and we had fun there. It could be quite expensive. We went to Disneyland. You know, we we 
paid so much money that it's just like you're almost crazy to do that. Uh, and with mm. this, it's kind of like you're, you're also paying for the experience. But I, I understand, yeah. It's just hard. Like multiplayer is struggling. And, and, and after playing this, I'm like, wow, this is what I want. There is no Oculus Rooms on Quest. This is something that fills up the gap. If you want to mm -hmm. meet some friends, just chill, have fun, then this is there. There is nothing else right now that will, you know, uh, of course you have VR chat and rec room, but this is like something that is not crazy in any way. It's like super relaxing. It's, it's it something I haven't played before. It's a fresh breath of air on the platform for sure. I, yeah. I, I think half-half, I played it earlier today, actually. Um, and unlike you guys... I wasn't. I wasn't even sure that there was a friend system. I thought it was like you know Journey or one of these games where you plug in and it's it's only avatars with the name mm. and no real voice coming through. <laughs> That's what I. Experienced. That's what I thought too. The first time I jumped. So in. I joined other players. You know, four, five, maybe players. Um, I did the hide and seek. I did the one where you were sailing and stuff like that. Um, like you, I thought it was a magical experience. Like the graphical introduction to the game, like when you first get into it, it's like beautiful. But like what Mike's saying, the base price for the game to me feels high for what you get. Um, but I do think that if you're on your own um, and you want to connect with this, and again, this is going to be the same thing we've said on previous podcasts six months ago in that is do it now, ride the wave, right? Like don't oh, yeah. wait two months and then jump into it. Like Nathy said, I would expect this to be a bit of a graveyard as well. Maybe resurged if they launched another platform, you know, in X number of months time, but yes. don't expect to no. buy this for no. 11 quid now and then have people playing yeah. it two months from now. I, I, what they what they could also use is maybe the event system on on uh, Oculus, where mm, you yeah. can you know announce like, listen, this is when we all come together, and then you can play some mini games. How did uh, you so, join each other? Actually, that was my main question. Like, was it just the Oculus friends uh, grouping, and then you joined the game? Yeah, yeah. And, and and the other thing that's worth highlighting to give props to the developers is that Nathy was on Quest and I was on Rift, and I had no idea that he was on Quest because the voice sounded great and his mm. performance was was yeah. totally great as well. So that was. Pretty impressive. Yes, did you have proper voice? Impressive. Could you actually hear his voice, or was it just like yeah. no proper, no, proper people, voice? People, people are doing that themselves because today I, I dove in again, and some people don't want to socialize, and then they make funny sounds. That's just a thing that happens. If you ever played VR chat, how many times do you run into a T Rex making T Rex sounds? Some people are kind of. Well, I, I get it. I think it's going to be. I think it's baked into the game. You know, when you put your hand near your mouth, it does that little X symbol. I think it's yeah, a mute. Doesn't make it's a that. mute. Because I watched your stream, but this was an actual person making that sound. But there were two people yeah. who made like the same noise. That's why I'm confused. Yeah, yeah they well, were they were just copying each other, like like you know like the uh, the knuckles in in VR chat. They just yes. follow a trend. Feckers. But yeah, that, <laughs> right. that, that, that that game is a uh, half and half. If you missed it, um, but it's available on Quest and Rift. Um, good experience, but I think it's a bit pricey for what it is. Yeah, true. Um, so what about the chat? Did they uh, play anything interesting? Have they been playing along as we've been chatting? I've seen. Or should a, I move uh, straight into news? A lot, a lot. Lots yeah. of No Man's Sky yeah. in there. Yeah. I'm so glad a lot of people are still enjoying that game, and I'm very jealous of you all because it's kind of that 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 season, you know. Like there's there's other stuff going on as well, a lot of like pancake Oops. games coming out, um, you know. And uh, you know, it's 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 not a shameful thing to say, but I enjoy pancake games as well. So I'm trying to play those, trying to play VR, trying yeah. to do other stuff at the same time, planning for California in like two weeks' time. 
so I'm very jealous that you all get to spend so much time in No Man's Sky. Uh, yeah. I'm pissed. Awesome game. My wife sits downstairs for like five hours a day playing with my daughter in No Man's Sky. She's got the most cool like tech and bass and all this stuff. And I'm like, damn it, woman, I just want to play more. But I can't. Yeah. Also, like I think today, like there's, as Mike said, there's so much going on. Like you can, for example, play Call of Duty right now for free on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, I think since today, also play Borderlands uh, 3. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's it's like you really got to juggle with Pancake and, 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 and you know, VR. Uh, Gears of War 5 has been fantastic also, as well from what I've played so yeah. far. Yeah. Control came out. Yeah, we can go on forever. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, so let's jump into the news then. And the first bit of news this week is about this new action-packed racing game that I mentioned at the beginning, which is coming soon from Swiss VR developers Auzi Games, uh, and they're working in collaboration with Oculus Studios. The new game is called Death Lap, uh, and in this game you have to drive and shoot at the same time in a frantic race of life and death. <laughs> uh, so these uh, races, they're hosted by this kind of insane uh, game show host called Nitro Saint Pain. <laughs> awesome name, by the way. Uh, he's a retired racer with a painful past. Uh, <laughs> and he basically hosts these races. Uh, and if you kind of think in your mind of like Mad Max style racing cars, mixed with like kind of an 80s mo- movie like the Running Man, for example, where it's kind of like and, a game show. And Carmageddon. Uh, yeah, yeah and Carmageddon. And throw that into the mix, you're kind of getting a good mental picture of what this game is like. Um, this game is going to be able to be played in third person, which I thought was quite surprising, along with first person, obviously. Um, single player and multiplayer modes, of course. And um, apparently the game's going to launch with five tracks five different cars. Each of the cars are kind of unique as well in that they're kind of equipped with, each car is equipped with a long range weapon, a close range weapon and a special weapon. Each special weapon is unique to each car. Um, So you can kind of use those uh, cars and uh, mechanics to sort of work Mm. your strategy into the race. Sounds sounds tasty. So this can be played online and offline? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Um, We don't have a release window just yet. Um, the, we just know that it's coming soon to both Rift and Quest. Uh, so that's kind of interesting that it's on both mm. platforms. Cross-platform play is likely as yeah. well. Um, so this is just one that's coming out soon, one to keep an eye out for. Maybe we'll get to play this at OC6, maybe. I, I, I think knows? so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think um, yeah. what, what, what jumps out at me is that they probably used a similar motion tracking mechanism to uh, that D-Day title on PSVR where you could ah. uh, drive a Jeep and shoot out the side at the same time. So it's quite a simplified mm-hmm. uh, driving mechanism, but it worked really well, and it means, makes you feel quite badass. So mixing that with multiplayer sounds good. I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah, I'm intrigued by this one. It kind of, when I watched the trailer, uh, you know, of him shooting out of the window and then like the flames coming out of like the car's hood and stuff, it reminded me of this uh, TV show I've been watching uh, on uh, Netflix. Uh, I think it's called Overdrive. It's like Fast and Furious meets Ninja Warrior. Like uh, these Fast and Furious cars have to like navigate around this like Ninja Warrior track. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> but it kind of reminded me of that. Reminds me of um, uh, Hover Junkers, one of the earlier right. uh, games where, where, again, you were piloting your junker or whatever and you had to put up walls and shoot. That game was awesome at the beginning in the early days before people got good at it. And then, yeah. well. The, the trailer was so short though. Like yeah, it was yeah like it's super short. Sure. 15 seconds or something. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't really give you a good taste. Now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Teaser. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, that is Deathlap coming soon to Rift and Quest. Uh, next up is another bit of interesting news this week, uh, is that in the latest Oculus public test channel release for Oculus Rift, uh, they've started to implement OpenXR. Now, what is OpenXR? I can hear you all screaming. Well, in basic terms, prior to OpenXR, a developer would make a game using like Unity or the Unreal Engine, for example, and develop it for a specific headset say, like, the Vive. And then later, they'd want to port that game to maybe bring it to the Quest. And the problem is they would have to, you know, focus their development initially for the Vive and then obviously port the game later to Quest, which takes a lot of extra work and effort. What OpenXR aims to do is simplify that workflow. So... Everyone's kind of signed up for this, you know, uh, Oculus, Valve, HTC, Microsoft, NVIDIA, all the big players, Google, they're all on board with this initiative. And now we're sort of starting to see it appear uh, in, in support. Um, so like I said, this has appeared uh, this week in the latest uh, public test channel release on Oculus. Apparently, it's been implemented uh, with Windows Mixed Reality for quite some time now but this is the first time we've seen it on the oculus platform mm. and i t i tweeted about it i tweeted about it this week and um i think i was kind of jumping the gun a little bit i got a bit overexcited uh, i was thinking that maybe that this would open up the oculus platform to other headsets <laughs> oh god so, yeah that would be something so, that would be that was something, my, right? Yeah, that was my in, interpretation <laughs> of it and i think i just got a little bit overexcited there and jumped the gun a little bit so I ended up deleting that tweet later. Um, but that, that, but I, that sounds like music to my ears. I would love yeah. to see that. I totally, totally support that. Yeah, and I know, you know, if you read The History of the Future by uh, Blake J. Harris, you'll understand that that was part of Oculus's original plan, you know, to mm. open it up to, to use the Vive as well. But um, they ended up going against that. But yeah, so that's not what this is. It's not, it doesn't mean, you know, if you saw my tweet, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to play Oculus titles natively with other headsets, although Revive does exist for that very reason. Um but the cool thing is that, you know, for developers, it's just going to streamline everything for them. So it means that if they're developing a game for one system, it could be released on all systems. But of course, it's depending on the politics involved with those platforms, whether they're going to. So that means uh, it takes less time and takes less money to make a game. Absolutely. So so developers of VR titles should be super happy about this. Um, and, and yeah, it just smooths the road for them uh, because, you know, as we know. Right direction, I think. Yeah, because if you think about it, you know, it, it's even difficult for us uh, to talk about it once a week, all these different headsets coming out, all these different control methods. Uh, as a VR developer, I can't even imagine what it must be like for them, oh, yeah. you know, uh, developing a game for Quest, uh, for Rift, for, for Vive, for Index, for Cosmos, for PSVR. MR, you know, MR, uh, when, when Man, Maintaining are, teams uh, with that skill set and capability, you know, in the back. Yeah. yeah. It must be insane. So they must be jumping for joy. Uh, this open XR is finally sort of becoming the norm. So hopefully it just smooths the road and, you know, hopefully we'll see a lot more titles on yeah. a, a, a breadth platforms. of platforms. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's some uh, news about open XR. Um, so let's move on to this. This is, this is brilliant. Uh, so this is Five Nights at Freddy's coming to augmented reality. Mm. So when I first heard about this, I was like, ah, yeah, whatever. And then I saw the trailer. The trailer is very well done, but it's a bit misleading, and I'll get more onto that in a bit. Um, but this was unveiled by uh, an AR company called Illumix uh, this week, and this is their first 
ever AR game, and they're an AR game development company based in Silicon Valley, actually on Menlo Park, alongside like Facebook and all the big tech giants. Um, and the, the, their first game they're going to launch uh, as an AR game is Five Nights at Freddy's Special Delivery. So this is being developed by Illumix in collaboration with the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's uh, called Scott Haw- uh, Cawthorn. And uh, yeah, like I said, the trailer just looks genuinely terrifying <laughs> because it's, it's the kind of stuff that you were like tell your kid like you know uh, if you don't go to sleep oh, then no. we're gonna play five nights as freddy's <laughs> oh, wow. uh, uh, and you, you made such a valid point there because like as kids you know you're you're always scared that there's something under your bed or exactly. in the closet and and they just use this uh, to their strength and they basically put those stereotypes in this ar game so when you look inside your closet or you open your front door of your house there is a you know freddy fassbear there waiting to tear your face (laughs) off Um, so this this is nuts um but this is where things go on a bit of a downer because this is for mobile devices so so it's a window yeah yeah. So, th- so this is for iOS and Android uh, coming this fall. So this is why I said that the trailer is a bit misleading because the trailer kind of insinuates that the the person that's you know got this first person view in the trailer is wearing like an AR headset, which mm-hmm. clearly they're not because one doesn't exist that is capable of that right now. Um, so that's a bit misleading. However, the company itself that are developing this, Illumix, are an interesting company. Uh, like I said, this is their first ever game. Uh, that they're releasing. Uh, they're based in Silicon Valley, and they recently raised 8.6 million US dollars in funding, uh, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> and, and what their unique selling point is that they're saying that their particular AR technology is more intelligent and spatially aware when it comes to mixing real world and artificial objects. Mm. So they're saying, you know, like the occlusion uh, between mm. virtual items and real life items should work seamlessly. Uh, of course, we'll have that to see before. that. Yeah. We, 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 <laughs> we've heard yeah. these claims before, of course. We've seen whales jumping in, in school, uh, school sort of basketball courts, which <laughs> hasn't happened yet. Um, so yeah, take this with a pinch of salt, but I think it is cool that, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's, it's, it's come to VR, which was amazing. And, and now that's coming to AR, it could be equally yeah. as cool. Well, maybe we should call John Carmack and send him out there to check if, uh, if this is uh, worth the hype. But they must literally work next door to him. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he could just pop across the corridor and say hi and check I'm it sure out. I'm sure he's down. I'm sure he's I'm down. I'm sure he is. Yeah, I'm sure I, he is. I'm thinking, though, that like this is portable. You know, whatever technology they, they, they make, and they make it for mobile or whatever, just put that. I mean, the Quest is basically a mobile and a headset. So just put it on a quest and you've got a fucking scary ass game that's going to mm-hmm. do this pass through AR stuff, which is probably something that Oculus is going to talk about at OC6. So just uh, that's my that's my spin on. I think that's what you were hinting at anyway, Mike. But um, as, I think- as, as long as no one dies, I'm sure they're going to talk about it. <laughs> No one dies. If someone dies, then it, this this app yeah. is going to sell like this, loads. So would you guys be down to play this then? Hell yeah. No. Yeah? Oh yeah. Nathy? Oh. Nathy's having as, second thoughts. As, as, as long as I, I can't wear something, that I, I don't feel like it's immersive enough. No, I, 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 I totally agree. The thing with me is like, I mean, I think AR is cool. There's definitely like a lot of future in that but for gaming i still like to be immersed in like a full game world rather than like my my bedroom or yeah like something like that for me it's it's like still like going somewhere else that 
that makes it really cool. Although yeah. I, I think AR is really, really sweet and with everything that they'll do with it, I mean, it looks amazing and I think there's a lot of stuff that will still get developed. But at this point in time, I'd say my, I prefer virtual reality. Yeah, because that's uh, virtual reality is consumer and AR isn't, so that's that well, I makes mean, but, total sense. But this is also consumer. If they're gonna yeah, make Five Nights at Freddy's, yeah, that's but, also consumer. Yeah, but AR wearable, something else than uh, AR through an iPad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm sure this app will sell well because oh, yeah. you know, there's there's so <laughs> many kids. Freddy's, right? Uh, I, I'm so surprised that this still lives on. This this thing that this this guy made. It's like, yeah. how long has it been? I don't know, like five years, six years, seven years that this Five Nights at Freddy's, like yeah. the first game came out. It's, yeah. uh, we got a very similar story. I don't know, Mike, if you're going to cover this as well, but Dreadhouse is also coming. Oh, okay, go, go for it, go for it, go for Quest. it. And that's another very simple formulaic title that was successful originally, DK1, DK2 days, that mm. now, you know, it, they just keep popping it up again the game itself hasn't actually changed there's no new monsters new mechanics no tweaks or whatever but it's just getting bought up and the thing is it's very simple right you've got a cousin you want to scare them uh-huh. what are you gonna buy to do that right i mean and yep. that's it five nights at freddy's is great you know as imagine said. having like this a- these acrom mechanics in dread halls where you can control a monster and kind of chase someone down. We used to beg for that in Twitch because um, Twitch integration is possible. And then like, if you could get oh, viewership, yeah. you know, uh, controlling yeah, yeah, yeah. that, those, those elements, <laughs> um, then that's truly terrifying. Putting power in those people's hands is never a good idea. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but my, to, to clarify my statement there, I'm actually not interested in a horror AR game for one reason. You can't be in the bloody dark. Right, your AR functionality is not going to work very well when the lights are out. So infrared, mm. what? Infrared. What? I don't think my camera is infrared. Have no, you, haven't you? You can you, if if you, if you're saying AR won't work in a, if you have those pass through, then you can make them work with infrared lights. I have my camera's infrared. No, no, no. So, so sorry. What I'm saying he is means on his the phone. game as it's designed to come out on mobile phones is not really interesting to me. The game, once they lose in that oh, okay. sphere yeah, and yeah. decide to finally port this to like Quest and or future AR headsets, then it's interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. And this is the thing, like I was looking online and there were videos of people just talking about this trailer release and this game, like this AR game that was getting like 300, 400,000 views in like a day. Yeah. And it's like, kids kids are nuts for Five Nights at Freddy's. It's like, yeah. you know, it's just one of these things. So I'm sure the app will do well regardless of whether it, yeah. you know, comes out on a fully-fledged uh, AR headset or just on a mobile. However, you know, I think we all agree that we'd want to play this on a fully-fledged AR headset. And this kind of leads me on nicely to our next bit of news. Ooh. And that is from Apple. Well, not from Apple, but from one, someone that's been digging around in the new Apple iOS. Um, so if you're an Apple fan, you probably watched, you know, like the Apple keynote this week. They unveiled some new iPhones, um, Ooh, new yeah. iPad, some other bits and pieces, but also coincides with the release of iOS 13. Now, someone digging around in iOS 13 has found an internal Apple readme file for how Apple employees can enable stereo AR apps on an iPhone for testing when you don't have access to Apple's AR headset. So this is this is pretty exciting because this is like the first time in a long time we've had like a real credible kind of leak of information. Um, of course, nothing of the AR headset or nothing mentioned of AR at all in this 
latest Apple keynote. Uh, but there's been rumblings, of course, of Apple working on an AR headset for, for like ages now. Yeah. So this readme file, it refers to uh, a device uh, referred to as Star or HME. So in the VR world, we refer to them as HMDs, like head-mounted displays. So HME kind of got me thinking, like, is this head-mounted eyewear? Yeah. Is it head, head-mounted head experience? Not quite sure. No, you dinged um, it. That's definitely but, eyewear. Definitely but, eyewear. But wait, wait, wait. Why are we so surprised? Or like, I mean, first off, I don't think this is really a credible source because I think it makes sense for a company the size of Apple that they're working on head-mounted displays, be it AR or VR. If you look at what Google is doing, what Samsung is doing, doing uh, Sony, any any company almost that is making some kind of displays at least experimenting with either vr or ar or both so i think it makes sense that apple is doing the same thing i don't see this as like a credible source that they're making an ar headset but i do think this is a credible source for like that they're experimenting with ar which makes sense mm. they're definitely working on something in the ar space for sure um but yeah it, re it refers to this uh, apple star or Apple HME, uh, and they're saying that if you want to test an AR game out, you can test it out on an iPhone by using these settings, which mm. are listed in the README file. Um, and it also provides instructions in there for setting the HME state. So, mm. you know, uh, apparently the state mode will be like, say, if you put it on your face, like a bit like a Quest, it automatically wakes up with proximity detection. And they're saying that you can use that state in the iPhone uh, to test the app and also apply the correct stereo distortions to the application for testing as well. So it would suggest that it's a oh. stereo AR device. Um, so it's kind of interesting, uh, I think. But, you know, like like Rowdy said, it could just be that they're just testing something internally. Um, but what do you think of the name Apple Star? I thought that was kind of like a nice name. I think I would be down with that. Not yeah, in line with their, I. It's not. Yeah, it's not in line with their current products, and I think it's an internal code name. I don't think. It's right. Like, yeah. What the flipper size said? Yeah, sure. And then you need a thousand dollar cloth, an eye cloth to clean them. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, okay. if we're thinking prices, you know, if we're thinking prices, think about it. AR release, Apple released an AR headset. What's your guess for price? I mean, I'd be, I'd say, I'll bet you it's going to be. One nine 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 dollars or something. It's gonna be something heavy, but they're gonna bring something awesome. Yeah, that's like that's the thing. Like with Apple, you can you can trust them to when they make something, they make something freaking awesome. Although Rowdy's well, probably twitching right been now. Doing that for a while though. I mean, like Samsung is kind of like took the spot for being innovative in like the scene that they're working in, right? I mean, the last yeah. keynote was really disappointing in terms of what they announced, in terms of technology. Oh, no, yeah, no. I, yeah. I, I totally agree with that in terms of like there was very little innovation, more sort of like um, iterative, you know, moves, jumps, like steps forward. You iterative know? catch like, up with the competition. Yeah, what, what, yeah. Mike, why, why are you uh, working together with the enemy right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the, this is the thing. Like, like normally, I'm I'm pretty hyped to be buying oh, an Apple products. Spy. Uh, Don't realize this, this this time every year, but this year <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, there's nothing really that interests me. Uh, I'm quite. But happy imagine with what I've got. though, if you could combine that AR headset with your phone and with your uh, yeah. what is it watch, where you can have like this Obi Wan <laughs> moment where it's like, hey, hey, what's what's up, Obi Wan? How are you doing? <laughs> Things like that. Uh, would be nice. I, I, I would say it's highly likely that whatever Apple uh, is making 
will work with your iPhone. I don't think it will be a standalone device. Yeah, I think no. it will be in conjunction course, with... It needs to fit in their ecosystem as well. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're going to yeah. make something that works in their own ecosystem. I, I think I think they need spot on with the watch integration as well. Just think about it. If you're standing on the street, right, wearing your two grand glasses, right? <laughs> you pull out your... I happen to have one here. Uh, pull out your Apple Watch, right? And a little arrow points you in the direction of the coffee shop you're trying to navigate to. Like, I mean, that Obi-Wan moment, I, I think you're spot on with that with that thought. I think it's. Yeah. I think that's exactly what they're going to go for, and I think it's going to make not, it very not, useful. That's not hard to do at all because no. you can just display like a QR code. Exactly, and the Apple glasses can read that. Like yeah. it's, yep. it's, I'm. D- I'm just wondering how drunk Zim has to be to not know how to get to his local coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink coffee, so I'm pretty drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I do like the Exciting. name that uh, the, the video that we're playing now is is a is a rendering, by the way. You yeah, know, it's, it's nothing it's, leaked. It's, it's completely fake. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's created by uh, Concepts iPhone. Uh, so credit for them oh, for yeah. the video. But it I do like the name. Work like that. So like, if yeah. you, you you would have like such a small little thing in front of you. Exactly, yeah. But I do like their name, Apple Lens. I think that's a, a cool name for the product. The iLens. So. Let, 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 let us know in the chat what name you would give yeah, these, I, I really these like upcoming the, uh, I really like the one that Nim Sodi actually uh, introduced. It was uh, the II. <laughs> II. No way they're doing that, though. That's too pirate. Even the Apple. It's just one. Apple I or. Yeah. Apple Apple Glasses. The I yeah. I. <laughs> yeah, it could be as simple as Apple eyewear. Mm. Yeah. No. Don't think they'd go Apple Watch. Yeah. Google Google Glass, <laughs> Apple Glass. But this kind of brings me back to Five Nights at Freddy's. You know, if we had something like this, yes. then you know, it well, would it wait, would make that experience way better, that, I think. W- when do you guys see this being brought up on the market then? Mm. Next year. Uh, next year? <laughs> next year when? Next year when? Next Q3. year. Yeah, so sure. so it it will be announced during the keynote next September. Uh, no, I'm saying that I think they'll have a product on the market in AR next year, 2020, because wow. they, they said that about three years ago. Wow. The, what was it? The I, AT I would, 2020 I would love they were that. planning to yeah. to launch. So I think they're going to have an AR product. I also think that there will be AR capability that Oculus is going to announce at OC6 to catch up with that. Because yeah. these companies do talk, and you know, again, to catch up. If you're in if you're in Silicon Valley, yeah, yeah, because. If you think about R&D and Apple's R&D, they're running a thousand miles a minute. Well, prior back when Jobs was around and other companies like, you know, that they'll 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 be getting there. I mean, I don't know if Samsung's going to have anything, but I really still think that next year there'll be something like AR consumer grade technology yeah. out. Yeah, and we've mentioned this on the show before and it's a really good point that that Oculus teased AR in their their yeah. Oculus Connect event this year, which they have never done really before, no. and 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 like we mentioned on a previous show, our kind of general thought was that it would be AR utilizing the Rift S and Quest pass through modes because that is essentially AR. You know, when you see the the overlay on your controllers when they're on the floor when you pick them up, that is AR. So yeah. if they can if they can clean up the the video feed a little bit and and overlay some some nice AR elements. Then they're in. But, they're onto uh, a winner there. But where, like Zim just said, like next year. But are we talking about like uh, wearable AR, or are we talking about VR headset AR? Because yeah, that's like a total different ball game we're like, talking about. Yeah, no, I, when, my pitch the is first Google product that they bring on the market. Yeah. Mm, okay. they, they haven't. They haven't touched the market yet. No, it, it, no. Would, it would be amazing if they came out the gates with something like that, you know, especially Why? because, uh, you know, Magic Leap <laughs> and, and, and HoloLens have been working on this, you know, uh, you know, 
in public space. You know, this is what we're working on. This is what we're aiming at. You know, HoloLens mm-hmm. aimed at business right now. So it would be amazing if Apple just said, look, we've, we've nailed it. Here you go. Bang, done. But we'll have to wait and see. All speculation right now. But that spec- is all the news this speculation. Speculation. Mm. That's all the news this week. about this for like more than a year now. Yeah, I know. Gets me hyped every time. Sick of it. <laughs> Let's hand it over to uh, Zim to find out what games we should be playing next week in the releases. Oh, I'm excited this week now. I'm excited to show um, a, a, a game. So the first one up, uh, this was, I, I don't usually get to call out like YouTube channels and that that I, I love, but uh, Life of Boris is definitely one that I, I appreciate. <laughs> and um, he gave this game, uh, the 2D version of it, it's being VRified now, seven out of seven blends. And so this is, this is called Calm Down Stalin which has been VRified, and so there's an independent uh, Stalin app. This is a weird one. Launched last uh, last week, 12th of September, for PC VR, so you can get on Steam. Um, and this is a game where you basically, you're in a Cold War standoff, if no one's familiar with the, with the core game. So you're actually, you need to threaten your enemies with nuclear weapons uh, by moving your finger closer to the Doomsday button. Right. Well, at the same time, you're answering the phone call and signing off like sheets because you're Stalin. You're head of a department. You need to get this stuff done. You can look at you can, you know, smoke your cigar, look at pictures of pretty Russian ladies. uh, But don't get distracted from the fact that the world is about to end. And so this is uh, this is something that I thought, you know, through the vodka he's pouring and the cigars the guy's smoking. uh, He's just sat at this desk. You know, obviously, it's not a calm place to be. And uh, Stalin, you know, you get to be in in the seat as Stalin, um, trying to hold off the world for as long as he can. And I think it's a score based game, but I don't know. It, it's a bit of a silly one. It's not too expensive, by the way. If you have the two D version, you have to buy this separately. It's six pounds forty seven, so about six fifty in pounds. So I guess that's about seven fifty in dollars. Um, yeah, would you like to be Stalin? Who, I think who this sounds this, uh, uh, game. This is from Cardboard Games. Cardboard, cardboard Games. games. I think this sounds way, way too realistic for my liking. <laughs> um, but I, I have to say, it kind of gave me, um, what was it, Papers, Please vibes yep. yeah. when you started talking about it. Uh, I love that game. So if they made a think, VR version of the game, I'd be down. I think there's also this one VR title where you can do the same in the White House. And you also need to like pick up phone calls and, and press buttons and, and, yeah, and mess that. around and... Yeah. What's the one? There's a there's a VR game as well that um, I think Rowdy you've played it called um, I don't remember what it's called. It's Border Patrol something VR. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. TSA Frisky is it? Frisky, yeah. Uh, TSA, TSA Frisky. Frisky. Yeah. 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 So there's, there's another ones like that. You like yeah. that one, right? That was a cool one, but I I actually don't know if it got fully developed because the one that I tried was a was a demo and they completely rehauled that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was called Border Patrol. Yeah, the the one with the robots. Yeah, Did it yeah, disappear yeah. into the, the early access void, as many yeah, games I do? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't think it's been released yet, but that ah. was a good game. That was essentially yeah, Papers, was... Please in VR. Yeah. So, yeah. wait, TSA Frisky and Border Patrol are the same game? No, no. different games. Different games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good. Okay. Next one uh, is a game that uh, I'm a big fan of. Uh, it's called Poker VR, now coming to Quest. Um, so, this is really interesting because they've decided to rehaul their app. So this is uh, Marco and Hamza. I'll give them a quick shout because uh, I've been a big fan of their game for the for many years. A lot of people now just know PokerStars because they're this you know megalith uh, corporation who've now kind of dominated the uh, VR scene with um, 
They're very kind of college humor-esque game. Uh, but in contrast to that, Poker VR aims for more of a casino experience where you have independent tables. Yeah, you can, And I understand you can kind of walk between the tables. You can actually play with your individual chips. But it's pretty much a serious, it's more of a serious affair rather than um, this kind of play around, throw things at each other. So you're focused on the poker game, as they've always been. Uh, you're focused on thousands of players, and hundreds or thousands of players in these uh, VR tournaments that they have. And actually, what Nathan mentioned earlier is um, is the events for Oculus Home, which I always found, particularly on Oculus Go when I was playing poker VR, uh, that that was something that they did really well. So mm-hmm. every kind of two, three hours, there is a game on yeah. and people are lining up to play with their virtual chips. And um, that was always great social experience. But so. poker, I, I think in this case, poker doesn't really even need events because it's a very addicting thing to do. And it's something that uh, people come back to. So is it, or, or am I wrong here? Have you ever uh, played a VR poker game and you're in there and there's like no one to even yeah. play with? Yeah, yeah. I, have, um, I have. Actually, prior to the um, prior to the Gear VR support that was given uh, by that was that was developed by the same poker VR team, um, it was when it was just on Rift and it was like DK2 era, and then the CV1 was just launching and they were just launching with that headset. Yeah, there were plenty of times when they definitely needed it, and even one of the the co CEO founders would host that. And so like mm. part of his job was to go in, host a table and people would gather around. So it made it, you got to know the kind of serious players, but there's a lot of really good poker players who play that game. So if you're looking to up your skills and um, have a more serious gentleman's type uh, poker yeah. game, then that's the, that's the app for you. Yeah, I, I see one one tip in the chat or actually some lyrics. Mm. Can't read my, can't read my, no, you can't read my poker face. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> from From who? Can someone guess? From who is this song? Well, I already saw it, so I oh, that's say uh, Lady Gaga. Yes, yeah. yes. I know that why because I'm a big nerd and Dance Central. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Harmonix. Ah, I, I see. It's, I it's see. their starter <laughs> song on I think the first game. So, yeah. all right, with that, uh, two more. This this app is awesome. I I, I this looks great. Okay, so um, there was a game a couple of a couple of years ago now called uh, Giant Cop which was all right. It had a good visual style to it. You were this big giant cop and you had to tend to the city. This is kind of the opposite of that. This is like the Benjamin Button in, in a way of, um, of that. That's a terrible analogy, but I'll start there. It's called Grow, Growrilla VR. Growrilla VR. So oh, yeah. you start as a tiny gorilla and you have to eat things to grow. You can eat dogs, oh. chickens, whatever, things around the place. You can't get caught by the cops though that's the catch. So in Growrilla, you need to scavenge your way around. It's kind of like a stealthy survival game. Now it's voxelized, so it's got a very kind of voxely look, but there's literally like GTA. Imagine the early GTAs, like GTA 3, the tanks, you know, the star rating yeah. you get. Like oh, yeah. people are coming after you. So you have to take down the cops, go to the army base, like nuke the base, all this <laughs> kind of stuff as this giant Growrilla. And um, yeah, for for you know, seven quid, that's seven pounds uh, UK. Uh, looks interesting. Looks in- It's an early oh, access game. Um, why are the characters so it's, static? They're like, they, sorry. they, they can't it's move early access. Arms. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, okay. It's early access. So yeah, the, the, the characters are a bit like bowling pins um, and it is a score-based <laughs> game. So at the end, you know, you, you unlock uh, some stuff and, you know, you get whatever added to to the game and so you can play it again. But it's a score-based game. So mm-hmm. I think it's a short burner, but I just saw it and I thought... It looks gro- nice. 
I just visually. love the idea behind it. It's hilarious. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of different maps. But, so. but the real question is, can you call Lester when the police comes? Can you yeah. call Lester? Yeah, Lester. Like Lester in GTA. From GTA 5. Oh, mm. right. I never played it. Get you out of jail. Shame mm. on me. Yeah. Wait for Shame. the VR spot, then you can play it. That's what, you're, honestly, you're, you're, you're I was waiting. For, for, I was Same waiting with Skyrim, for, right? Like, I played Skyrim, and then I played a VR first. It's like, okay, yeah, this is cool. But for Sam, it's like, whoa, oh, yeah, what is yeah. this? Yeah, <laughs> Although I'm, I'm still I'm, waiting for Resident Evil 7 on, on PC. <laughs> These things I, never happen. I still do think the Rockstar, given their dabble in it, I think they will do a VR project. I think they just, they're a bit, they'd like to be slow and right timed and they're a bit like valve in that they're not trying to push graphics or technology they're trying to like hit that lovely middle ground of i'm going to give you the best story you can get the best vocals but you're going to get it on like an absolutely stable like middle layer so that it runs on the mm. most machines and they can sell gazillions of them so. yeah last last but not least we've covered this already but i thought i'd give you some visuals to it uh so half half uh which i know you're calling half and half i guess i never saw it it is half plus half so half and half uh you can get a chance to see now the game yeah that we exactly were i was like talking about a little bit earlier because if you, if you <laughs> haven't more sense. yeah if you haven't seen it i think it's it's a little difficult to just take in text but i'll, I'll give it my best so there's things you can do like the hide and seek that we talked about was really awesome I thought that the slingshot teleportation, when you're a small person and you pull a slingshot, this isn't just like you teleport me to that spot. You take a small version <laughs> of your body, you pull it back in the slingshot, you let go, and you like fly out there. But um, what's, what's showing on the video right now, this kind of open uh, vertical doorway, reminded me a lot of Here They Lie on PSVR. Uh, it had a lot of this kind of the same kind of visuals. Although that was a lot less, uh, that was a lot more kind of trippy than uh, than this game. This is a bit more oh, yeah. soft. You but I have them. to say, if I was to call this anything, I would say that this is for people who wanted to be for all their life the wiggly waggly arm flailing tube man, because that is those characters in this game. Just make it. Mike's demonstrating for us. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. That's awesome. Uh, you know, now, now, that I, now that I see the trailer, I, I think it's like heavily inspired by uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Do you uh, know him? No. Spirited Away. Oh. House, House Castle. How, yeah, yeah, yeah. Howling Castle. Um, it's a bit like that. I think it, it's also, for me, the visual style is a lot like virtual virtual reality. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah a lot true. of there's a lot of pastels. There's a lot of bright mm -hmm. areas and all that. But especially but. when I saw like the the one character with like the the eyes and like oh, yes. the, 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 the the dress oh, kind of thing. Like, like talking. Uh, that's very like spirited away. Talking about spirited away on Oculus Share, they had these demos where you could actually go into like rooms that someone built from Spirited Away, so you could be like in the movie. Um, please, someone throw all those demos on the internet so we can revive them for newer headsets. Oh yeah, the Spirited Away thing. I think those got taken down though, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So all, all that stuff, if I'm not mistaken, that was uh, Nick Pittam from the Windlands team, or who, who works on Windlands now, who did a lot of those conversions, but then the studio contacted him, he had to take it all offline. Oh. I do have copies of all of that. I don't know if it would run on modern headsets, but I know mm -hmm. I've got the software stack to run it out of my DK2 anyway. <laughs> so I've still got my little library there. Two little pieces of uh, news before we finish up then for uh, for today's releases. So firstly, No Man's Sky players, if you're playing it on PSVR, and it's feckin' blurry, because you know it is, it's probably the blurriest game that I've played in PlayStation, unfortunately, it's getting an anti-blur fix, which is great. It's due to come out in about a week, uh, which is fantastic. So they're going to they're gonna remove the, 
extra blur they put on there or it like, was, how does that work? Oh, wow. <laughs> it was, uh, it, it's, it's a result of some anti-aliasing um, okay. mechanism that's having that after effect. So they found a way to tune. So they are tuning and rolling patches for PC, which is going to help PC improvement, uh, which is great because they've spent some weeks now working on that and tuning it up. It's been, what, a month since it released. Um, and now PSVR is getting this mm. anti-blur fix. And that was mm. confirmed just either yesterday or the day before. So I'm very happy about that <laughs> news because I think that uh, for somebody who's working on a low budget or whatever, again, my favorite title now, I hate to say it, I think the Skyrim has to take fiddle number two fiddle to No Man's Sky because uh, No Man's Sky glues together Subnautica and uh, you know, um, from other sons and just so many games, even there's, there's Skyrim stuff in there as well. It's just, mm -hmm. it's an incredible piece of, of so, game. so with this update, it means that you can stop wiping your, your, uh, like lenses all the time, hoping that it will get sharper. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if anyone remembers. Does anyone remember the Disc Doctor back in the day where if you scratched a CD, you could take it out and you had this thing that would apply uh, a little bit of grit and it would like take the pla the plastic layer off your disc? God, mm -hmm. that's going back a ways, but we don't have that thing. Think if you had that for a VR headset, would you? Well, yeah. you, you could, you, like back in the days, you could uh, grab your lenses and then just uh, uh, turn them, pull them out and put some new ones in. Oh yeah, good point. They used to have so, replaceable lenses. Yeah, a lot of people Diff nowadays uh, I've read on Reddit are using a uh, PolyWatch, which is a uh. watch scratch uh, sort of um, oh, yeah. substance. It's it's almost like a very abrasive um, like gel almost that you'd put on the lens. But you have to be very very careful because I've also read stories on Reddit of people completely messing up their lenses by making them really cloudy. So uh, yeah, just be really careful with that one. Yeah. Okay. So before you go trying to repair your own stuff, the last thing I'll say is um, I saw a very interesting app from uh, the Tested guys. So Adam Savage of Tested, who's a big builder of, God, everything. The, the Nerf guns he's built, swords. I can't even name all the things this guy's created in his, in his studio. He's got this uh, fantastic stereo 3D VR um, arrangement. I haven't gotten a chance to try it, but from the comments, I mean, it's already like 4.8 ranking on Oculus Store, and loads of people have tried it out and said that it's like one of the best 3D stereo um, yeah. apps that they have. It's free. You can just try it out. So there's eight different videos, uh, different, different kind of episodes showing different places. Also, not just Adam Savage. If for some reason you don't like that guy, there's other creators as well, mm. other makers, I should call them. Yeah, that, and, uh, and besides that, you can also get a tour, I think, through the office itself. So yes. there are some Easter eggs in there too. Uh, yeah, I, I, I checked it out. It, it's, you know, the quality is amazing. Uh, you do need to download every, you know, video, but it's 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 fast. Um, I do wonder why this had to be an app because this could have also been, you know, uploaded to YouTube so everyone could enjoy it. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's great. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, because they're using the Zcam K1 Pro, which is the same camera that Nathan and I got as part of the VR Creator Lab uh, YouTube thing that we did. So, yeah, it's an awesome camera. Um, but of course, I think they probably went the way that the reason why they went to use an app instead of uploading it to YouTube is that YouTube, even though it is like a natively 5K resolution file, they still kind of downscale it a little bit mm -hmm. so at least if you're downloading the raw files although they'll be big you'll get the better clarity through the app makes sense well that's it for us for releases this week i hope that's enough to wet your whistle um mike what have we got in the major topics this week so the first one is the big one of course this week and that is 
the HTC Vive Cosmos. Uh, you know, we mm-hmm. finally, finally, finally got the the price, the features, and all the specs that we wanted. So I thought we'd just kind of go through them, touch on each one of the specs, and and just kind of go through it together. If you've got any questions or you want to sort of say anything, just go ahead. Got a question um, before we go in? Does okay, it come it. with a glass turntable? <laughs> Sadly not. Sadly not. That's that's mm. called a lazy Susan here in the UK. Those uh, rotating turntable things. <laughs> I yeah, actually I tried to it's an American term, actually. Oh, is it an American term? Maybe I think it it's is. It's an American term. Lazy Susan is. Uh, I think that's an American yeah. term. Oh, I actually bought one so uh, I can replicate oh. it in the office. Wait, Susan. Or- <laughs> Uh, a lazy Susan, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. I got, I got to drill into this. Mike, did you see that presentation? You went, I can see an application for one of my videos in this. Yeah, I did. I just, I thought that's a really good thing to do. <laughs> no, I thought it was the worst marketing thing I've ever seen. It's, it's uh, Mike I, going to review headsets now where it constantly spins just, and he needs to, uh, you know, do yeah. a thing. Easy well, content. Yeah. If, if it's good enough for HTC, that's it's true. good enough it for me. Easy um, so let's talk about the Cosmos then, because one of the first things I want to talk about is the head strap and the ergonomics, because it's got a halo head strap design, so similar to the Rift S and the PSVR, and it's got built-in headphones this time, uh, which look identical to those that were on the original Vive Deluxe audio strap, so almost identical in terms of the way they look and their design, so I'm sure they're going to sound fairly same uh, as well. Um, So that is the head strap and the headphones. It does have manual IPD adjustment, which is great because I thought that was lacking on the uh, the Rift S. Obviously, how far does it go? We don't know the IPD range. Um, However, if the IPD range of the Vive and Vive Pro was was pretty decent, I think it was on par with what Rift offered. So, no. No. Do you know uh, what it was then? the, The Vive Pro was worse than the Vive actually. And it was? the IPDs are a little bit on the higher side. Uh, they, I yeah. think they extend more in the higher range than they do in the lower range. Don't quote in- me on that, though, because I'm not mm. entirely sure. Okay. But it's got a manual IPD, nevertheless, which is going to serve a wider audience than certainly what the Rift does, unless you've got the optimal IPD of like 64 millimeters. Um, the other interesting thing is it's got a flip-up display, which I know like Windows MR headsets have, have tried to do before. Some have been successful, some not so much, because the problem with a, a flip-up display is that sometimes you can't get it to fit on your face correctly because you've got that resistance of the hinge there. So I'm kind of a bit skeptical about it, but I'm kind of interested in it as well because I am constantly resting headsets mm. on my head while I'm messing around doing settings and stuff for recording. So... If it works, it works. I'll, I'll be happy Especially with that. Especially with your new haircut. Exactly. Yeah. For those that noticed. There's a great comment here. I wonder how long it will take for someone to mod the Cosmos Halo onto a Rift S for built-in headphones and the flip-up option. So That's very good sad. point. And, and while we're on that point, before we move on, I don't know if you've, ever, you've noticed in the background here, but I've got a Vive Deluxe audio strap there, which I'm planning to mod onto my Rift S uh, next week. I was kind of inspired by Greg's VR, who posted some pictures of it on Twitter this week, mm. of the Rift S with a Vive Deluxe audio strap. I know it's a popular mod with the Quest, but I've not seen many people do it with the Rift S other than Greg's VR, so I'm intrigued to check that one out. So I'll let you know my thoughts on that next weekend. Um, but let's get back into the specs. And... This headset, the most interesting thing I think about it is that it's got uh, a very high resolution. Well, I say very high, higher than Vive Pro and Index in that it's got a 1440 by 1700 pixels per eye uh, resolution. 
It's running in LCD, two LCD panels, which run at 90 hertz with 110 degrees field of view. So pretty standard in terms of field of view that we're used to at the moment. Obviously, the, the Index and the Pimax are pushing those field of views wider. Um, in terms of resolution, although it is higher, it is only 100 pixels higher than the Vive, uh, the Vive uh, Pro uh, and the Index. So not a massive difference. But you've got to remember with the Index, it's spreading it out over a wider field of view. So with the Cosmos, you're getting them compacted. And it's running an LCD, which, as we know from the Rift S, you get the benefit of the RGB uh, subpixel arrangement, meaning you get three subpixels for every pixel, which correlates to better clarity and reduced screen door effect. So that is the display. Uh, it uses a single display port and USB 3.0, but sadly, no virtual link. Like, what the heck is going on with this whole virtual link business? Like, it's, it's really annoying me now. Yeah. I rushed out, sold a kidney for an RTX 2080 Ti. Still, I, yeah. I'm yet to see a headset that I can connect to the thing. Yeah, because Valve uh, canceled theirs uh, a while back, right? Yeah, exactly. They canceled their their adapter. So um, the the CEO of Nvidia, you owe me a kidney. Um, <laughs> next, <laughs> you get a box you with a bloody kidney in it. Can I, I swear. have it back, please? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll have it back. So back in. Um, so next is the controllers, and this is kind of interesting because this is a complete uh, shift in design from from HTC because. They're used to like the Vive ones, which they ship with the Vive and the Vive Pro. Now they've got these kind of like Oculus Touch looking controllers. And I'm pretty happy about that. But there's a couple of things that concern me. Uh, the fact that it uses two AA batteries concerns me because they're going to be a little bit heavier. Huh. And they use light tracking. Uh, so the pattern on the on the ring of the controllers are used to track the controllers from the headset using the uh, the cameras, um, and we've seen this before with obviously Windows Mixed Reality headsets. The problem with that though is that those those Windows Mixed Reality headsets like burnt through batteries so so quickly. They burnt through a pair of AA batteries like in like two days uh, of use. Uh, so eh. that's the problem with light tracking. But if this is another way of they've got around it and it's got better battery life, then I'm all down for it. But I'm just a little bit I, skeptical right now. What, what is actually the, the consensus on like the accuracy of that kind of tracking? Because light can be so finicky in terms of like occlusion, oh. in terms of like <laughs> you, cough, you cough, PlayStation, <laughs> cough. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Although, although Oculus do use light tracking to a certain degree, although it's infrared, it's still essentially mm -hmm. similar tech, although you just can't see it with your naked eye. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I'm, I'm sure it'll have the same issues, uh, that, that, that both the Oculus Quest and Rift S have in that if you have a controller right in the center of your back, it's not going to work. And if you're occluding a controller in front of another controller, it's not going to work. And we also are skeptical about if it will work in the dark or not. Mm. But again, these things we'll just have to wait and see. The key, the key to this inside out tracking is though, and I think Oculus nailed it, is if that you do lose tracking, how quickly it's reintroduced again. It's all yeah. software though. And but, and yeah. are these are these these are not infrared LEDs, or are no. they? No. So that, just that's light. what I'm that's what I'm wondering. Why didn't they go for infrared? Because now you have different kind of frequencies that will course with that. It could be patented by Oculus, maybe. I, d I really don't know because we haven't seen it in, in many other headsets. Because um, the brightness will not be different if you, for example, turn your lights on and you mm. play with those kind of controllers. The, the amount of yeah. light that will be coming off will be 
different. Yeah, the range that you have to program to pick that yeah. up. It's the same problem that the Quest has outdoors because once you go outside a certain operating parameter, the cameras aren't strong enough to stave off, you know, broad daylight at that temperature. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, another unique feature of the controllers is, is that they have a bumper button. So normally you have a trigger, like say on a, a traditional gamepad uh, like this, I've got the Xbox uh, 1S controller here. You've got a trigger and then above it, you've got a bumper button. So the the Cosmos controllers are going to have that bumper button and hmm. you don't get that on the Index or the Oculus Touch controller. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Is, that's a bumper or just a grip? Because I mean, the, the na- I would talk about the name or All what three. it actually does. No, so it's got a grip button as well. Okay, it's got a traditional got grip, grip button, bumper, and trigger. Exactly. So, what, how yeah. would that translate in a video game then, a VR game? Well, this is the thing. No games uh, use a bumper button right now. So, oh. why it's for- there? Okay, we don't know yet. I, I I really don't get stuff like that. Like, I mean, we've been saying that for so long. Uh, you know, the more kind of controllers that are being developed, the harder it will be for games to like you know implement all these kind of things, and then. A company that has made controllers before is now making completely different controllers. I literally don't get that. I, I don't yeah. get that. They are actually Why? getting closer to the touch ones than they did before because with the Vive ones, that was a total different yeah. design. Yeah. But 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 now if you develop for the Vive, you need to be developing for these controllers, and you need to develop for these controllers. And you need to develop for the Oculus Touch controls. Well, it's up to I, the developers. They can also not do it. Right now, with the Valve Index controllers, almost no one does it. So you can also mm-hmm. decide to not do it. But then, Plus yeah. that, that button is is just optional. You know, like mm-hmm. other other than that button, it's got complete parity with Index and, and Oculus Touch. What they offer as well. Although mm-hmm. with Index, you obviously get the finger yeah. tracking. Yeah. It looks nice. Um, I mean, the controllers do look nice. I'm glad they're moving away from the previous design because yeah. it's fair to say that design isn't winning anymore. No, it hasn't aged well, for sure. doesn't cut it. For sure. Um, Obviously, the headset, the other big unique thing about this headset is that it uses inside-out tracking. Uh, Where the Rift S has five tracking cameras, this headset has six tracking cameras, four on the front plate, one on either side. But the the interesting thing is, and and props to HTC for doing this, is that they're going to be adding an option for a a faceplate mod that goes over the faceplate of the Cosmos to add lighthouse tracking support. So if you already owned a Vive and you're upgrading to the Cosmos, you can utilize inside-out tracking, no problem. But if you want to, you can also utilize the lighthouse tracking that you've got for maybe a superior experience. Well, it will be superior because you won't get those occlusions. Is, is, is that there to kind of have people that are still using their Vives to now let them maybe upgrade but still have their current... The thing is, although they're upgrading, they're paying a premium for that feature because it's yeah. not going to be included in the box and it's an optional mm. extra that isn't coming out until next year. Okay, It's still cool, though. I mean, that modularization cool. is is a nice feature. You're paying for it through the design of the base headset, the compatibility with that. Yeah, But it also allows them a path in future to do more beyond that even. I, I think yeah. that, I think the if I think about this again I think the main reason why they did this is because uh, Vive has a has a big hand in arcades and I think this is actually to kind of facilitate that uh, for yeah. for the problem the with like modular designs is that it like giving people options is often not a good thing for such a niche headset because people want either the best for the money or just the best. And if you get like modular designs, often they've tried that with phones so many times as well. It 
doesn't work for a luxury product, I think. Um, so, also, people so just, in the chat, maybe we can comment on that real quick, are asking yeah. if they're actually touch-sensitive, the controllers? Uh, we don't know for sure. I would be surprised if they're not, because that is kind of the industry standard right now. Certainly capacitive, with the index, yeah, so like capacitive touch sensors. So when I get my hands closer to it, it'll know I've gripped, yeah, without me yeah. having, to, having to hold the do a grip button as a binary control, yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point, though. Um, but yeah, like it's a, it's a good point with the arcades, and I think you might be onto a winner there, Nathy, um, with that. But like uh, the, the headset will ship with the, the traditional six tracking cameras, and then you can buy this modular upgrade separately if you want to as an extra. Um, but you know whether people will or not, I don't know. But it kind of is interesting. Like, will the controllers then be tracked by the base stations because they use light tracking? So it, it, there's still some questions we don't know for sure yet. But again. This isn't coming out until next year, this mod anyway. Um, the Cosmos will also be compatible with the Vive wireless adapter, which we've tested and used before That's on the Vive great. Pro. Great piece of hardware. I, I thought it was a, a really cool bit of kit. The only reason why we don't use it anymore, I think Nathy has the same experience with me, and I think Rowdy does as well, is that it's quite CPU hungry. So especially if you're a content creator or VR streamer like us, then it can be very performance intensive yeah. on your PC. So you're better off just reverting to a cable if you want smooth gameplay. But that would make it the uh, next to, of course, the Vive and the Vive Pro, the only wireless PC VR headset on the market. Um, or, other than the original riff with the TP cast, of course. Oh yeah, the TP cast. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting that we haven't heard anything from them in terms of the Rift S. But again, maybe we'll hear something at OC six. Who knows? Well, I mean, I, I think like like wireless is definitely becoming the future. But like for stability reasons, I think a lot of people still like just to have the the cable or like yeah. just having another like if I. For myself, the main reason why I wouldn't go wireless is, well, uh, because then I have another thing that I need to charge. It does add to the immersion, not going to lie there, but it's not worth the, the constant hassle of like charging another thing, making sure it works, the extra load and processor, uh, the drops in frames, the, the, the extra problems that you're getting mm -hmm. because of the technology. Although it is, like, I think still the Vive wireless tracker is the best one that I've tried so far. Um, it's still not enough to convince me to go full uh, wireless. Go full wireless. Yeah. So I have to say, like, if I wasn't doing this, you know, content creation, I would have that as my permanent setup. Like, exactly. you know, I would love, yeah. I, I, I would love it, you know, and, and I, I would stand by it. But it's just one of those things. But it is going to be compatible with the Cosmos. However, like all things, you're going to need a special Cosmos adapter to work with the, the oh, yeah. wireless adapter. Otherwise, you will um, burn your head. That like this one guy also. one did, right? Where he, where did. he had like this mark on his head. Yeah. Because he, he did. didn't he use the very right, uh, you know, adapter. adapter. You're right. <laughs> wasn't, that, wasn't that Moik? This That's group? right. Yeah. 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 He, invited, yeah. he invited me to go check out his, uh, check out this shaky floor, which is like, uh, you know, think about a dance floor, but with sub packs laid all around the bottom of it. Actually, there wasn't something too different at, um, remember we went to Vertigo, Rowdy? They had something similar. They had a tactile, responsive yeah. floor. We didn't get a chance to try it. Uh, they also had fans. Anyway, I'm yeah, it's <laughs> Um So yeah, that is the Vive Wireless Adapter uh, compatible with the Cosmos. You can pre-order the Cosmos right now uh, for 699 US dollars, 699 British pounds, or 799 euros. You can order it through oh, HTC, cool. and they'll be shipping out on the 3rd of October. However, okay, so wait, wait, go on. raise hands. Who ordered, who pre-ordered? I pre-ordered. 
<laughs> I knew Mike would have. Uh, no way. Um, so, so this is the thing. Um, if you pre-order now, you get um, if you well, if you pre-order before the second of October, you get a year's free subscription to Viveport Infinity. That's mm-hmm. not why I pre-ordered though. Um, I was going to say. I pre-ordered because I'm just generally curious about this headset. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to disregard it completely without trying it. Uh, if I don't like it, I will send it back. Yeah. Uh, it's as simple as that. So I, I think it's kind of like a, there's no risk in involved we, we for me. We understand. You got to do your duty. Do you my, do my for duty. Science. For science. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it should arrive just as we get back from OC6. So I'll be able to give you my hands on impressions then. Um, yeah. There's a couple of interesting things though that I want to mention before we move on. And that is... Um, Obviously, the big selling point initially of this headset was the mobile tethering uh, that they teased at at CES. And that hasn't been mentioned at all since then. And I think that's a real shame because I think that was one of the the main unique selling points, really, of this headset in terms of Mm. my eyes, uh, that it was a hybrid headset that could be powered by PC and mobile. But that's just not the case right now. Yeah, they have been smart about that in one way because at CES they were teasing with that in their trailer and things like that. But after that, they didn't really mention it anymore. If they would have continued doing that, then this whole hype would have built up so high that people Mm. expected to have that. And I feel like right now, based on the reactions, a lot of people didn't even, you know, think about it anymore. So it kind of saved them a little bit in that sense. Based on what we know now, which headset would you recommend to people? Out of everything on the market? The, the, yeah. But I, I would say depends, that. right? On, on who you are, how much money you have in your wallet, no, things if, like that. If you that, have a right? person that says, I want to go into virtual reality, yeah, what, but, what headset would you recommend? With this on the again, I, I would ask them a lot of questions. Exactly. Um, if, if it's regardless of budget, uh, even though it lacks content right now, I would say the index is the one to go for. But if they're on a budget and they maybe don't have a super high-end machine, the Rift S is the obvious choice. Or if they don't have a PC at all, we just get the Quest. Or if they um, have a PlayStation already, they only have to get a PSVR. For me, it'd be, so, uh, so for me, it'd be wh- simple. It'd be put money into upgrading your PC, get a Quest virtual desktop to the PC. I think yeah. that the tetherless so, so gaming thing is amazing. If, if, if we have all of that, where does the Vive Cosmos then fit in? The well, th- th- this is where <laughs> this is where it's going to be a difficult it's going to be a difficult time for HTC because this is the question that a lot of people are going to be asking themselves. And without this unique selling point, it is just another VR yeah, headset on the on market. On the other side, you can ask the same to the Velvet Index right now. Where do you place the Velvet Index at this moment? At but, this but high end of VR. VR. Because if, you, like if a, you ask what people, high, do you want high-end VR, the, the best on the market, you I, go for I, the Valve Index. But what, no, the, I, th- I think you should place headsets. No, no, no. I think you should place headsets based on the content they offer and not, not the specs they have because that's total nonsense at this moment. All the headsets I, I, you buy right no, now are all fine. All the headsets of you dive into, you can have a of fun course. experience in VR. If of that's course. low end, medium end, high end, doesn't matter. But if there's no content on the store, yeah, but the, if, then if, you have then, a headset for Then you for need no to get reason. the Oculus Quest because then you can play everything. Hmm. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but this but is the, this the is my is, constant w- gripe with the, Vi- the the Valve Index. You know, it, it's a it's a lot of money. With, with no, and I understand it's got a back catalog of, of Steam VR titles. I understand oh, yeah, course, that, but that's course. not what you buy a Valve Index for. Mm-hmm. You buy it to utilize these fancy new controllers, and there isn't any content to take advantage of them right now, really, in my eyes. And a lot um, of the content is not compatible with it either because the controllers are not well, optimized for it. No. Okay. Um, so yeah, the, the Cosmos sits in a very strange place in the market. Whether the uh, you know the resolution of the headset 
maybe the thing is, if you want a Rift S and you can't fit in that man, you know, the fixed IPD range, maybe the Cosmos is your obvious choice. That's that's a clear like um, something that to way. also consider. Once again, is that uh, the Rift S is not getting sold in Asia, so mm. the Vive uh, Cosmos has well uh, can just freely compete with itself. True. Er- ergonomics True. for me is the only real selling point. You have a, a, a headset that is a little bit pricier than the competition with similar specs, decent display. If you're going to do a lot of work in VR, like you're a developer who also games, then I think that flip-up display, that's the reason I'd buy it. And let's be honest here, the Vive has always been more expensive than the Rift, but it didn't mean it, it did bad. It actually did yeah, but that, very that well like, at one point. There was a difference between that uh, with the Rift and the Vive. Uh, the difference wasn't as big as it is now. No, And you didn't have the touch controllers then. Yep. When you originally bought the Vive, that was that only came later on. Yeah. So uh, as after that point, like Rift started catching up and became like the more dominant player on even on Steam. Mm. So, yeah. mm. but so, yeah, in our case, be- I I do feel like the Vive is is dominating oh, yeah. more. But that's because they have a business con- a contract. Yeah, that's you historic. Can, you can have the Vive. That's true. Business. But that that's that why, why that's why th- these prices can still exist because B two B wise, it's it's doing. But fine. that's why that's uh, why I'm yeah. wondering where does this this cosmos but, fit like but, is it maybe more aimed at like a, a business kind of direction or is it still like a consumer because i think that the price is just not right for consumer Especially yeah that's the thing see what the options are on the market the, the vive pro is the b2b headset even though it was marketed as, as a gaming headset but the yeah. cosmos is marketed yeah. as a pure gaming headset so i i don't uh, understand why they do this i i literally don't yeah it, it, the thing well, is it comes down to marketing as well <laughs> But but also but also you got to remember that Oculus probably make very little money on the headsets that they sell, whereas you know HTC have got to make money on it. I can imagine. Yeah, so, but that's although, a problem for them. Like how how, 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 not, how I don't do you, have any funds into how, HTC. If HTC goes bankrupt or not, that's not a, but, that's not something that will target me but directly. How, how do you compete with a competitor that isn't doesn't need to make any money? Like you don't compete with that because you can't. You need to find well, a different niche or a different kind of thing. It's like mm-hmm. with the Valve Index us, you know, we're going to focus on this specific well, niche of the market because well, Oculus apparently, apparently pink headsets, that's how you compete. Pink yeah. headsets, you <laughs> sell the girls, boom, job done. Well, if you can't compete, apparently they they do have their place in the industry. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they would have already done something else Uh at this point. But no, you, ju- you just said it yourself. They, they're targeting maybe the Asian market. They're targeting maybe markets that Oculus yeah. is not that I prominent. Mean, the Facebook, business market, the Of arcades. course, yeah. No, of course, like HTC has a free game in Asia and Facebook doesn't. Like Facebook has a hard time to even, you know, get there in the first place. And, you know, China is so big. It's crazy big. It's, it's, it's you know, I don't know how much percent of the planet they exist out. But if you if you sell a headset there and it's popular then why would yeah. you care if it sells well in Europe or in America or anywhere else? It doesn't matter. Yeah. So it might look like they're losing, but in the end they're they're winning on their own grounds where they are, you know? Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, but then they're targeting a completely different market, yeah. which yeah. they maybe should. Anyone else want to get in a ring and put some gloves on? Because I could beat you guys up right now. <laughs> Let's do it. But no, I, I think you offered a, a really interesting and unique perspective on that, Nathan. That, yeah, you're probably right that they dominate well, in the Asian market and they don't need to necessarily compete here in, or in, in I, the I can tell, like, when I went to uh, HTC's office and they showed me, like, they had data of all the headsets, you know, that, that came out. Um, like, you could just see how much they were dominating with their headset, but also their platform because they sell this headset with, as you you said Vive part 
Where Viveport here is not our main platform. We use Steam, we use, well, if you have an Oculus, you use Oculus, obviously. Um, where in Asia, like Viveport is the standard and Viveport even runs on headsets that are not from HTC. Mm-hmm. So it's like the yeah. Steam of VR in yeah. Asia. But really is, good point. is Steam in Asia? Uh, I think I think Steam is uh, available in 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 some moderated way. I thought they I got backed off of it. That. Yeah, I thought they yeah. got backed off of it. Actually, I think Valve I lost so their right to to sell. So I mean, it. that 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 explains a lot why, like you know, those kind of other headsets are like more popular there because they simply can't sell them or they can't mm-hmm. like advertising there yeah the the one last Mm. thing i want to mention about the cosmos is that um the president of um htc in china alvin graylin he tweeted this week uh, a little video clip and showing that the cosmos was capable of individual finger tracking without the need of a leap motion device yeah um using obviously the the cameras on the headset uh, to track the individual fingers and, and represent them in, in game. But I was thinking of you actually, Zim, for this feature, because if you think about it, racing games, you don't want to be grabbing hold of controllers and stuff. Ah. So if it can track ah. your hands and place your hands on the steering wheel with parity of your physical steering wheel, that would be a really neat feature, right? It would suck ass. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. The, without tactile feedback, and this is a problem with it's a problem with Lee Motion um, technology, because I, I had one, I used it, and it's like, it's just without the feedback, the applications are so limited that no, actually I, I feel mean, right. You know, I mean specifically for a for a racing driving situation. But, but for why a sim- would it help? Why would it help? Like, do you mean because then in that headset you don't need a steering wheel? No, you're using a steering wheel, but you're you're not holding any controllers. But your hands are being tracked when you hold and let go of the steering wheel and move it around the steering wheel. Then that's you're represented. On the then you're on the money. Right. Yeah, I see what right. you're okay. talking about. Okay. So, so the rough tracking of your physical form with some uh, smoothing, for instance, so that it's not just like your hands are jittery on the wheel or whatever, but it, it's yeah. kind of calmed down version of the tracking. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that being useful. Yeah. Cool. Also, uh, talking about... I thought you uh, meant air motion controls, which is like having, no, no, no. you know, the Wii Mario Kart controller without having the controller. And I'm like, no way, Mike, I'm not doing that. That's, that's terrible. Oh, that, wow. Thanks. Um, but talking about Alan Graylin, uh, like he had this whole, like, I don't know what they organized, like this event where they showed the Vive Cosmos and he was like dressed up as Iron Man. I thought it was quite epic. Um, mm. where, but it's weird. Then you see like the difference once again in marketing where in Asia they have like this super big, cool event and he makes it like, you know, I, I think that Alvin Graylin is one of those examples of like, Hey, this is why you need a frontman for, you know, a front woman for a VR company to promote your headset, you know, um, like we had with Palmer Lucky back in the days with Oculus, like, Oh, I see this guy. I identify with him. I want to buy that headset too. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally um, but, agree. Um, it was uh, was interesting to then see uh, his event and then what was happening in America and also in, in Europe, where they had these silly videos of someone playing games that I didn't really th- thought were really showing off the potential of this headset, and then talking about thumbsticks and well, basically someone playing with a new headset and has no clue what it's all about. I was like, what is going on? I'm sure if you're like this regular consumer, you're not going to notice it. But I was like, yeah. what the heck is this? What am I watching here? Yeah, what, exactly. what is going on? Yeah, it's, I felt the same way when I watched the video clip. It was very strange. 
Very but, strange. That happens in marketing more often than not, where you put someone in there and it's like, this person has no idea what it is they're selling. Why did you pick this well, person to market your product? Well, the, the, I think what, what I saw through that video is that the problem with HTC is that they don't outsource their marketing like Facebook does in a way, and they do it themselves. And it's kind of like, okay, what tools do we have laying around in the office? Let's make some videos. That's how it feels like. And not like, hey, we have a professional company who knows how to target the right audience and knows what needs to be said in a video. But again, maybe that's part of their strategy of like targeting a completely different market. That they they try to get like a more intricate connection. mm. Maybe that's the way that they market things there. I don't know. They definitely also, the, missed the, the, the mark, game though. that they were showing was a game that I don't think a lot of us have played before. But maybe it's a very big game again in the in the uh, yeah yeah, in the yeah. But uh, usually that's like it trends like the marketing that they do in America and Europe is coming from Asia. That's where they you know give the orders in 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 certain ways, and then it well, gets that's translated. What I mean. that maybe yeah. It's, it's, yeah, so it makes this sense is what for us it doesn't yeah. make sense because no, no, it's yeah, coming from a yeah. country where they do marketing yeah. completely different. Yeah, true. To, yeah, you can see that. Climax. Yeah, you can see that. Yeah. So, is anyone in the chat? Did anyone say that they're pre-ordering? Everyone did, did, left. Anyone? Yeah. Everyone's Everyone gone. left. Yeah, they were it's, like, it's, it's yeah. just a wasteland. Like, <laughs> yeah, screw you guys. See you later. I'm not so, having any of this cosmos nonsense. Okay. Um, I'm, so I'm, you're, I'm, you're asking I'm did anyone curious. pre-order? Um, I didn't see anything earlier. That's cool. Like, you know, I'll be able to give you my hands-on impressions of it when it eventually arrives, if it's mm. any good or not. But um, intrigued about it. Is all oh, yeah. I'll say. So uh, now let's pass it over <laughs> wait, to. Uh, wait, wait, go on. The, the chat is like now responding to her uh, request. I'll, I'll read it out. Uh, so DRGE says tumbleweed rolls through. <laughs> Nimsoni <laughs> says cricket sounds. And Onikaze said, I'm definitely not pre ordering. Salsa catcher said, nope, no pre order. No yeah. pre order. No pre order here. We'll wait for the review. <laughs> There's so a whole waterfall. So. Oh, no, I'm not pre-ordering. We did a good wow. job. Sorry, HTC. <laughs> it's all right. But I'm really curious, Mike, to see, because very oftentimes, and this is, the, this is the problem with the panel technology, is until you put it on your face and you try it, you don't know if you're going to be wowed by it or not. And no. No. the stats don't mean that much. And like Nathan said, you pair it with the right software. Sometimes yeah, it feels great. That's the thing. And like you said, the comfort is another thing you can't, you, until you wear it, you don't know. So and it's a very personal thing as well. I mean, yeah. like, no, yeah, I think, uh, Mike, you didn't have the same problem that I had. I had, um, you know, with the Rift S, for instance, it's like flattening down my hair in a funny way. Yeah. And after a while, oh, what yeah. that does with a little bit of motion, that's sandpaper on your forehead. And it feels and like I tell you, not good. I tell you, and one other thing that could sell me on this headset, which wouldn't affect anyone else, is that if it provides a nice window outfit for recording content. Because yeah. the index has this kind of weird stretched on the on the right hand side display. Yeah. Oculus, you have to manually configure the the field of view every time. Yeah. So if it can just provide me a nice centered field of view for recording gameplay, yeah. well then automatically it becomes my favorite headset for like Very such true. an obscure reason. Well, so who in knows? the end, in yeah. the end, let's say if it comes out and the reviews are positive and yeah. you're like, hmm, okay, this is interesting, try it out. If you don't like it, send it back. It's the only way to to uh, figure out if a headset is good or not. You can always buy it and return it and get your money back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now is the time to pass it over to Nathy to tell us all about a magical VR ride that you got <laughs> to try out True, <laughs> at yeah. Dutch Dutch theme park last week. Exactly. I'm super. I'm yeah. super interested in this. Oh, you have not, not the VR part. Oh, okay. I, well, I've, I've been to some VR parts of it, but not. So you've been to a theme park. 
No, I've been too. <laughs> 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 just, oh, sorry. Cool story, bro. Cool story. Yeah, yeah. Go on, Nathan. Go on. <laughs> okay. How do you pronounce this, by the way? It's in the title. I have no idea yes. how you pronounce it. Yeah. So I went to the Efteling. The Efteling. The Efteling, yes. And it's uh, it's it's a very famous theme parks under theme parks. Uh, it's 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 uh, not just your you know regular theme park. Now this is like a. A solid one has good theming. Uh, has uh, it's quite expensive to get in. You know, it's like on the Disneyland uh, like level. Um, if you if you've been there before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If not, yeah. you know maybe you should come come here sometimes and check it out. Um, but anyways, um, Mike mentioned at the start that um, you know I checked out a VR roller coaster. It's not a roller coaster, by the way. It's a ride. I just put a okay. roller coaster in the thumbnail because hey, welcome to YouTube. No, it's because I, I, I the the ride. It's a dark ride, and putting it in the thumbnail will be like, okay, I don't see anything. So what is this? So I, I used the the Python. It's like their most famous roller coaster. That's uh, very. Uh, so if you if you like intense stuff, that's that's the way to go. But I checked out this dark ride. It's called a uh, uh, Dream Flight. In Dutch, mm. it's Droomvlucht. And uh, like it's um, it's taking you into uh, a dream world where there are like you know uh, fairies living and, and and trolls and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's very magical. I think we're we're showing a video now, so you kind of yeah. get an idea of what it's it's like. Um, and I think it's like two three minutes long. Uh, it's for the entire family. It's it's amazing. And um, the ride vehicles are basically these. Um, I don't know how to call them, but they're on like uh, rails. So the rails is above you and then you sit inside them. So it's kind of like you're floating. It, I mean, dream flight, right? So you kind of want to feel like you're- you Are know, your like a, feet dangling? Like a, no, no, no. You're actually sitting inside a, yeah. Like a gondola. Yeah, kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. But, but what do you, so you're on rails and you're sitting in some seats and does that actually- Go somewhere, or is it just um, you know you're wearing VR headsets and it's it's moving no, no, around? No, no, no. That, 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 I know you're getting excited, but we're not at the VR part yet. I'm talking oh, about Vanilla oh, oh. Ride. This is just without without VR, so you can just watch this without VR. Ah, okay. Uh, and um, the, the ride is basically turning around too, so it's like 360. So sometimes uh, it turns you to the other side to watch there. It has uh, smells too, so you can smell. Like the, the 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 fairies, like the magic, and also the wind and and things like that. So it's all you know, it's all there. The sea, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's very immersive without even VR. Wow. Okay. Now, let's say you are disabled uh, and you want to get into this ride. That's going to be a problem because uh, Dreamflight came out in '93. It's very old, and back then they just didn't have the the tools yet to facilitate something like that. And um, the Efteling does have a lot of other uh, uh, attractions that do support that. Nowadays, if you if you are a big theme park and you buy uh, a ride, uh, it's standard that that's a feature that people can enjoy to a certain degree. Um, in case of uh, Dreamflight, they had to come up with an idea, uh, like a solution, a custom solution to you know let people enjoy it too, because Let's say we're a family together. Yeah, we're a family anyways. But hey. we go into dream flight and then Mike's like, well, you know, sorry, but I, I can't join you guys because I'm, I'm disabled. And that would suck because then we have fun, 
but Mike has to wait outside until we come back. And it's like, oh, Mike, we, you know, we smelled the armpits of these trolls and things like that. And, you know, it was so, you know, it was so great. I think Mike is like, yeah, okay. Okay. Maybe I'm lucky. Maybe next You know, like you, you, you get the feeling of missing out. Yeah. And, and as a theme yeah. park, you want to give people uh, the, the feeling of like, you know, this magic, you don't want to disappoint them in any way. You know, if, if you get into this park, you're your number one priority. Okay, so what they did is it's very smart. So they decided to uh, record this ride in actual 220 degrees with a 3D camera. So they mounted a big uh, like red camera in this gondola, in this, in this ride vehicle with a stabilizer, and they shot the entire ride. So what you then get, and I'm, I'm sure if you Google or uh, go on YouTube and you search for like 360 uh, uh, theme park, then you get all like roller coasters and things. So you can watch it within a VR headset and, and watch the entire ride. Huh. Now, the interesting part is that if, let's say, you let someone who is disabled try it in VR, then they only get the video and that's it. They would still be alone trying it out. So let's say we would all ride it together, but Mike can't do that. And he goes into VR, then yeah, okay, he checked out the ride, but he wasn't with us. Mm. So what they did is next to the regular entry where uh, people go into, they have another entry called the virtual dream flight. This is only for people that are disabled. Uh, and they have in there, in there, they have four stations with uh, vibes no controllers needed because you watch your video and you can sit there hold the same like because they usually strap you in right so they have the same replica of this thing you usually hold when you ride the so you get the feeling ride. you're yeah exactly so you feel like you're in the same ride even that you're in vr okay now comes the genius part because how do you communicate with your family so what they did is let's say mike wants to try the virtual dream flight he goes in the family joins him too and says like, we want to, well, you know, we're not disabled, so we can just go for the normal ride. So they combine this. They have a, a mixed reality experience here where Mike goes into VR, the family members go to the queue. They actually have a guide with them that takes them to the real queue of this ride. They get a little receiver, a little transmitter with radio contact in there. So Mike can talk to us while well, we are in the real ride and he's in the VR one. You still, you still follow me here? Yeah, I, I oh, this is cool. It's a very, like, this, it's like super interesting how they did this. But yeah, so we can communicate with Mike. But how do you time that? Because when do you start the video? When does Mike start to watch the video? Mm. And when do we start the ride? Because you, you are in different places. You know, Mike mm -hmm. is in this room somewhere else and we're going to go into the real ride. So how do you guys think they, they pulled that off? How, how do you think they synced the video, the virtual experience with the real one? Skype. They just use Skype for the whole thing. Skype. <laughs> No, it's not Skype. It's Thank not Skype. God, it's Skype not is Skype. very unreliable, Zim. Uh, <laughs> well, we I'm sure know. they tried. Oh, we know, we know, <laughs> yeah, we, we know, know. We know. Do they do they literally sit next to people still in the uh, in the in the no, team, right? Or is, well, that, is you, that not you have your like? Of course, you want to have a private experience with 
-hmm. your family members. So you sit in one, I think there you can sit there with like three, four people in one ride vehicle. So you're not going to sit there with strangers because that would be a little odd because you're talking to someone that isn't there. So um, I, so I would in, have like a like a build-in sync point on the right itself. So exactly, once you that's like it. That's go what to they that use. Point. Yeah, it triggers. It triggers the start of the video. Yeah. So where there is a person sitting, of course, in uh, inside the ride that controls everything, that oversees that everything is going uh, well. And the moment you you step into the ride, there is this sensor that communicates with this this transmitter that you got in front of you. It's like a little box, and you can uh, wear it around your neck. And that's where the technology is in that says like, okay, now the virtual ride needs to start. So Mike gets the feed and then suddenly he can also talk with those people. Beforehand, he's in this waiting queue that tells him like, listen, uh, this VR experience is soon going to start. Then you can talk to your family. So Mike is in VR, we're in the real ride and we can just, we see the same thing. So it kind of catches up with us, although for Mike, it's not live. It's like a, a pre-recorded video, but it's super sharp that he gets the same idea. And now he could ride it with us, but he can't smell what we smell and he can't feel the wind like we can. So what they did is they built in, built in this, this like, you know, little, it was like a little closet kind of thing with these, with like an, an, an a, a, how module. do you call it? Like a, a, a roster, like a module inside, and then something mm-hmm. overlaying it that would also be timed with certain sensors within the ride. So when we smelled something uh, in the real one, then the person in the virtual ride could also smell it at the same time. So that that is all timed uh, at 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 the right moment where it gets real immersive. Bit. It's it's like the the similar kind of technology that they're using is like 4D cinemas in like uh, 4DX or like uh, yeah yeah kind of but then then in the end what you do is like since someone can't join something in real life you create a 4D version of that there's a question that is about, up. about this 4D version which is I think it's a really fair question because some people maybe don't want to ride that ride or whatever uh, do you have to be disabled to qualify for the VR ride or yeah. can you opt for the VR ride. No, no, no. You like when you enter the park, um, you uh, can get a. Um, it's like you. They actually sign you up that you are disabled. So uh, people at different rides know that you have to, you know, get into a different entry. Otherwise, people okay. could skip lines, things like that. There are. It was funny when I was there. People were standing there like, "Oh, virtual dream flight. What is this?" You know, they they were totally lost. We're like, "Hey, can I try this?" You know, because it's different. But then, you know, what I thought was that, okay, this is great for disabled people because in the end they don't miss out and families can have fun together. It's amazing. It's super cool that this is there. And it's the first time that someone nailed this. Disneyland isn't using this. Uh, Universal isn't using this. Also because they are, you know, big parks and they buy uh, rides that all have this built in already. But for old rides, it's usually not the standard. So they told me that... um yeah, it's also like because uh, I mean the theme of the Afterling is like a fairly unique theme. It's like um, they use fairy tales, so mm. all kinds of like the famous fairy tales. That's that's how it originated. It later like evolved into like an amusement park with like yeah, roller coasters. But I mean, I remember when I was a, like a kid and we went to the Afterling. Like we went to like just a fairy tale forest, and you would get to like yeah. experience all the different kind of fairy tales from the Brothers Grimm and like yes. like especially the 
the Dutch and the Belgian, they have a very like, you know, um, strong history with fairy tales. You know, everyone here loves fairy tales. So a, a fairy tale theme park makes perfect sense. And there, there's like um, that involvement that you saw happening that they introduce these kind of like new fairy tales or all the fairy tales and they mm. start to integrate like more and more technology into that. And mm. I think they have a very unique seller point in, in that as well. Yeah. I, do you know that there's one Belgian fairy tale in there, by the way, Nathie? One Written by, by the queen of Belgium? No. Yeah, there, there, there is the queen one. of Belgium. The, the queen of Belgium or the, the ex-queen of Belgium. Okay. Uh, she wrote a fairy tale. Yeah. So, oh. so when you went to this park, Rowdy, when you was a kid, is that when you joined the fellowship? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, go, so go on, Nathie. Yeah, this is this so, is an awesome story, by the way. Yeah, I, I, it's great. And um, what I then thought about was, I was like, okay, you know, Dreamflight is an old theme uh, ride, you know, and what if they like they take it down? Because sometimes you want to build something new. I was like, this way you have a time capsule. You could always go back in there, enjoy it, um, and. You could even have a virtual theme park in a mm. way where you have an arcade, but instead of having an arcade where you need to shoot things and blah, 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 it's more of like, hey, you know, at our uh, arcade, you can check out uh, this Six Flags roller coaster. We also have uh, uh, from Disneyland the uh, Buzz Lightyear uh, laser gaming thing, you know, and you can just experience all kinds of uh, rides from theme parks. So and I feel like some theme parks. Yeah, yes. it seems like a and really cool. And I feel cool like if, if a theme park really wants to make some money and also uh, get some advertisement, you could sell your ride virtually. Your franchise rights and to because yeah. if you're in, like, uh, for example, in America, you have uh, theme parks that you don't have over here in Europe, but that doesn't mean that you will not be able to ride them then. So they could sell an entire uh, ride system with haptics, smells, everything included that would just, you know, replicate. Put them into one of those like 4DX uh, cinemas. Yeah, and, like, uh, yeah like, kind of. Multiple people's in there. Yeah. yeah. I smell yeah. American hamburgers. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just like the I, motherland. I, I would totally be down like, you know, for paying for an experience to go on that Millennium Falcon ride, you know, at, oh, yeah. at, mm. at, at, in California, because, you know, it's going to be yeah. difficult for me to get there. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I would pay for that if it was a good enough experience, you know, to do remotely. Yeah, it, it would make sense to do something like that uh, when it's overseas, because in America, they wouldn't do that because they want you to go to Disneyland. Uh, they of wouldn't course, be like, yeah. hey, Mike, uh, oh, Mike tried to be experience. Oh, now he's not coming to the park because if Mike enters the park, he is going to wear his nice BB-8 little uh, hat and his, uh, he's going <laughs> to uh, run around with his zippy, you know, his uh, zippy cup. So yeah. then you spend way more money, of course. Um, but yeah, this, this, is a, this is a one of a kind thing. It's, it's, it's not done anywhere else. Uh, this started as a student project, by the way. This was uh, a student who said to Deathling, listen, I have an idea. Uh, maybe we should do this. And they, they invested into that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's super cool. And uh, yeah, hopefully we're going to see this back at more parks. And um, yeah, so that's so like, I got, uh, I got, dream flight. I got a quick question. So did you get to try both uh, the physical ride and the VR experience? And how did they compare? Yeah, that's a good one. So they were wait, asking wait, wait, wait. me, what, how did you get in if it was only for disabled people? Obviously, he, he was there to, sh <laughs> to check out the ride. <laughs> no, I had to act like, no, of course not, because I could try, because, you know, science, I'm the science guy at that moment. Um, yeah, they wanted to show me what I thought about it. 
Um, and uh, they were also down for a video. So uh, I might go back and then uh, cover this more and then really show you what the mechanics are like, because I'm very interested into like interested into uh, like theme parks. Um, it's something that I would love to do after my YouTube career where I'm, I'm, I'm in this VR expertise of like theme parks. I would love that. Um, but um, yeah, how did they compare? They were asking me, what do you want to try first? Do you want to try... Uh, you know, the VR one first or the, and I was like, hmm, what would make more sense? What what would you guys do if you tried Dreamflight about, let's say, 10 years ago, and now you get the opportunity to do it again, but this time there's also VR first. What what would be the order? I was like, there must be an order. There must be. I, would, I think I, I would, would go probably for the, do the VR for one, the original first. one first, just to be able to compare it. Okay. Well, I did the other way around. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah. I still don't know if I made the right decision or not. I would have done the VR one first as well, though. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's um because there's an advantage to doing the VR one first because then your expectations aren't like up here mm. and you're just basing on memory. It's mm. kind of like if anyone's ever low reloaded like a like particularly like an N64 original PlayStation game. Mm. Um, it can hurt a little bit when you go back and see those graphics. So I would, I would probably start with VR and then do the original, the full ride to kind of understand and be like, Oh, right. The smells that I had in the booth there when I was in the virtual ride, I'm there on the real ride. And of course you'd get things like wind effects are not going to be the same, but, um, you could, you could then appreciate to say that was 70% of the experience that I am now experiencing, you know? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, comparing them, it's it's hard because in the end, uh, I'm 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 someone who tried a lot of VR for the last five six years, so I know the difference between what's real and what's not. You know what I mean? But if you are someone that just gets in there, you have the time of your life, and it, yes. and it's real. You know, it's super real for me. Like I know it's not real, even that they try to have these smells and things like that, but. For someone who never tried VR, like the first time you try VR and it's this, mm. then you're like, whoa, I just tried the real thing. It, it feels real for sure. Um, I, I do think, and, and this is just something from, from the VR bubble level, is that they used like the Vive and I'm like, you know, you could maybe bump it up because I had glare, like a lot of glare is crazy. Um, and that's something that could have done better, but I think that someone who jumps in there uh, doesn't care, yeah, doesn't, doesn't care. No, so, yeah. I think that's an awesome story. And I think it's great that they were able to make that experience accessible to everyone. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it, hats off to them for doing that. It's incredible. And, and a theme park also being open to do this because mm. it does take time. It does take some money. They had to build another entry for the virtual dream flight. And, you know, I'm talking about the vanilla story here, but there was so much more going on because the software needs to be adjusted for the VR one. Mm. There are wires running everywhere. You need actual staff members that are educated, know what to do when you say like, hey, listen, uh, I have someone in the virtual ride. I want to ride the real one now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Uh, And they did well. Like the staff, they were super instructed. They were clear about what you had to do. Now, super nice, super clean. Really, really cool. I'm a horrible person, but I'm going to say that this wasn't done out of um, the kindness of human hearts. Uh, I get a feeling that this was, again, if you're a board level person who's owning the park, you're probably saying, we have EU regulations to adhere to. We need to cater for this audience that we can't. Either we have to tear the ride down, replace it. You know, it, it's oh, yeah. probably an economical solution for them as well. I'm, I'm only mentioning that fact because 
like you said, Nancy, there is a business case here for other parks to adopt it, even when it might undercut the take that they would have if Mike goes through that park yeah. buying, you know, three BB-8 hats. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and funny enough is that uh, when this got introduced, then suddenly people realized that this was never a ride that disabled people could get into. So it mm. was never known to anyone that it wasn't available. So then it's only like this guy told me like this whole discussion started of like, so why didn't it happen before? And, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, now you can officially write everything in the Efteling. So um, if uh, people want to go to this park, if they're ever in the Netherlands, in your native land, whereabouts yes. is this place? They can check it out. It's it's in Kaatshuvel. Oh, um, can you write that down? <laughs> but uh, the Efteling is like an international park. There are a lot of uh, people coming there from the UK, from Germany, from Spain. So uh, they have a website. Everything is in English. And again, this is a solid park. This is not your just your, you know, uh, funky, funky uh, theme park. Now, this is like... It reminded yeah, me of Tomorrowland, actually. I don't know if Rowdy... That's also because Tomorrowland is very much like uh, fairy tale inspired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it just, it, that was the first thing that hit me when I started to see the kind of diorama. Yeah. Mm. Tomorrowland's a massive uh, annual festival. Yeah. I've, got, I've got the feeling Belgium. that if Rowdy was one of those like magical characters, he would be that one that's like half like a goat, half a man, you know, like. Absolutely, oh. the half goat, yeah. half man. Yes. He, he looks like him. He looks like him. Oh, are we gonna now? Like, I look uh, like a half goat. Is is this how we're gonna end this? Uh, this episode. So, so Rowdy, because okay, Rowdy, now you can compare Mike to a fairy tale character. Go for it. Yeah. You, oh, I, oh, wait! I got one for all of you now. <laughs> th- no, uh, Mike is it? You know the the guy with the long neck. Oh yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, that long one. neck. Long neck. He's I was cool. more That's thinking mine. about Mike being that uh, little monkey uh, in Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> the monkey. Yeah, oh, kind of. Yeah. Just uh, comparing. I, I mean, you can yeah, roast let, me too let, if you want, but let's I do like bananas. Insult. I do <laughs> like bananas. Um, so yeah, if you've got any insults uh, for what <laughs> mystical creatures you think we might be, put them oh, in the God. chat. But also put your questions in there as well, because we're going to wrap up the show now. We have been running on a fair amount this show, but we've had a lot to talk about, so it's kind of one of those things. Hope you've enjoyed it nevertheless. But just a reminder, this is a weekly VR, AR, and MR talk show, live streamed every Saturday on YouTube, Facebook, and on Twitch. You can also catch the show live in VR if you want to. Chat with other like-minded VR enthusiasts using big screen TV. It's such a cool way to watch the show. A lot of people are enjoying it that way. Mm. Uh, the show goes live at 7 p.m. in Europe, 6 p.m. in the UK, and 12 midday in Central US. You can also check out the audio version, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor, and Spotify. Uh, Zim's not going to be here next week. You're already flying out to California. Oh, Wednesday. Uh, yeah, I'm flying out on what- Wednesday. Warming it up to meet us there. And then after that, so not this weekend. Warming not, our seats. Not, yeah, not warming up weekend. California, Mike. Definitely. <laughs> but the weekend after that, we'll be doing a show uh, from the show Flora OC6. It's likely going to be pre-recorded and then premiered at the usual time. But we'll try and catch up with you in the yeah, chat. We'll, but we'll get you updated on the AR headset uh, that uh, Oculus is going to launch, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So roast away or questions. Either way, yeah. I don't mind. <laughs> oh my God. Zim talk, wicked witch. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Natey is a teacup. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not that bad. <laughs> Mike was a poo. I'll take that. A poo. Yeah. yeah. Rowdy True. is Prince yeah. Charming. Damn it. Yes. Rowdy's paying someone in the chat, clearly. 
Yeah. That's just me, my alter ego. Yeah. Uh, someone was saying to me, bring in the quest, I hope, Zim, to test your PC streaming. Maybe. That was my. That was definitely my plan, and I said I'd do it. I tend to travel very light when you're doing this because mm. on my way home in particular, I have four airport changes to get, to get back mm. home. So uh, if anyone's ever had to go gate to gate, like I literally sprint through airports sometimes to make those flights. So um, I don't know. We'll see if I can pack it. So we can scroll through your uh, PC files at Connect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, also next week we'll be giving a, you our OC6 predictions. So if you've got any predictions, juicy ones, then think of them Ooh. this week and let us know next week on the show. That sounds good. So I have one more thing that I shortly want to talk about. Uh, this is coming from my brother, David. So he said to me, like, listen, there is something going on with my recommendations on the Oculus store. So he's using an Oculus Quest to uh, introduce, uh, you know, older people uh, to VR. So we're talking about chill experiences. But for some odd reason, um, when you turn on your notifications in the Oculus app and also email, you sometimes get an email like, hey, maybe you should play this or hey, maybe you should check, check that out. So he's getting things such as, uh, epic roller coasters and Arizona sunshine and all he's he's playing on this Oculus Quest are like you know relaxing experiences so I was wondering did did you guys ever like I'm signed up too I'm also getting super random stuff but do you guys also see like a no, certain but, no but I can explain why that is uh, because the, the same thing happens on YouTube as well it's because an algorithm determines not what you like but what you probably would watch or probably would try. So even if you if you if you like say, oh, I only watch chill experience and only that, uh, they're still gonna suggest it because a lot of people like that. that and that's the same thing as what happens on, on YouTube with suggested right. videos well, as well. Is that a lot of people like this video? We know that you probably won't, but we're still gonna suggest it because you know a lot of people like this video. And that is a lot yeah, has okay. to do with that. Well, the funny part is like it could be data driven, but when he went back into his mailbox to see what else he got as recommendations, uh, he had Spider-Man, you know, the the, the coming home experience. Uh, also a few others that were all getting sent out the, the week they got released. And it feels like it's more handpicked than really data-driven in that sense. Mm. Um, and I think data-driven is usually better than handpicked. But I was just wondering that sometimes people, mm. you know, they enjoy their Oculus Quest so far, but they get these odd recommendations that they should actually not get. Imagine someone going in there, but it's totally not their kind of like vibe they're in. Then it kind of scared them off. So I don't know. Maybe it would be better if they would introduce a system like, you know, I, I'm not interested. For example, on Steam, you can, for, I think you can select like, uh, I don't want it to be recommended for like RTS mm. games or I don't yeah, want yeah. to be recommended for for that. But I don't think Oculus has something like that in yeah. place. So they're going to suggest like whatever is popular on the platform always, yeah. I think. I have all the notifications turned off yeah. anyway. It just, it just yeah. says like, based on what you played, you should try this out. But based yeah. on what you played, it's sometimes a very large gap maybe it's like netflix netflix does that too right where yeah. you watch something like my little pony and then mm. you suddenly get something super violent and it doesn't it's, make it's, any sense it's like the kind of algorithms <laughs> they're using is uh i never watch my little pony okay well, my okay. little pony's cool man the the kind of algorithm <laughs> they're using is they're they're putting you into profile maps so they say yeah. oh people with this kind of profile also typically like these kind of games and if that 
is around a release date of a certain game, then those profiles often get like mixed up a yeah. bit. And then you get that kind of suggestions. So yeah, there we go. Try. We, we've also just found out that Nathie's a brony. <laughs> <laughs> I just exposed I just used an example. Okay, I'm a brony, okay? I, I'm a brony and I love it. So there we go. Like one, to be honest, that jacket's <laughs> coloring. Look, I'm a My Little Pony, a living one. All right. I'm cosplaying one right now. We've been going on for like two hours and ten minutes. We're all going a bit crazy now. Sorry, if you Mike. stuck around for this long, then you're the real MVP, and <laughs> I applaud you. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week at the usual time. Have a great week in VR, and until then, bye bye for now. <laughs> Take bye care. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs>